Pixels! Game day. I don't know why I just wanted to jump on a football like it was a fumble. Game day. You know, you, you want to hear something insane? When there's a fumble in a football game, I still scream out in front of my family, ball! My wife's like, will you stop that? I don't know why. <laughs> I, I Seriously, it is a habit that I still do. Like, we could be sitting watching a game. Somebody puts the ball on the carpet. Ball! And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, look, that stuff has been beaten into me, man. Whipped into me. Trained into me. It, I still do those stupid things. and I, I do. I'm not kidding. I'll jump off my chair. Ball! Oh, man. What up, Big Seals in the house? Go Eagles. Way to go, Ace. I'm with you, man. It's game day. Last exhibition game of the year. We're going to get into it. I appreciate it, Ace. Thank you so much for coming aboard. By the way, our friend, I mean, we don't get him on enough. We're going to talk to our boy, Tone, 430 Eastern. Get his thoughts on what he wants to see tonight. I'll give you my take here in a minute. Talk a little bit about the 2023 Colts in a second as well. I also have... A proposition for you. No, not, not anything creepy. Don't worry. It's not going to be something weird. You know, I'm known to do weird things. But not, not nothing weird. Okay? Hey, by the way, real quick. I want to tell you this. And it's with great honor. Angelo Cataldi watches the show, and we may be getting him on in the next couple days. So, Tone said that Angelo, and I admire Angelo. Okay, yes. A little bit, uh, okay, a little bit jaded because he's a paisan. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right? I mean, hey, okay. Sure, you got me. Hey, you know, Italians, we look out for our own. Silio's so being racist again. I'm sorry. I look out for my own Italian paisans. Okay, <laughs> we're kind of a we're, we're we're kind of a clan. If you get me, all right. Being in that Italian group, there, good with it, man. So we're working on Angelo Cataldi. I look forward to hopefully getting him on in the next couple of days. Thank you guys so much. Hey, Sills, are you hearing any impending moves? Eagles, Taylor, Buddha. I'm going to get to all this in a second here. I am. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for tonight. Now, look, tonight, see, the Eagles are in a position here. What would you say the Eagles' thought process is in the roster as they look at it on this day, on game day, heading into the final exhibition game tonight? How much of the roster do you think is set? 95%, 90%, 97%, do you think the Eagles know who they're, who they're 53 are right now? Do you think do you think they know who they're 53? They're going into tonight's game, they know the 53. 85%? Ray, they're a better team than that. They're not looking for five guys they're not looking for five guys tonight they're looking for like two 
I say they're looking for two guys. And here, I think the conversation as you head into tonight's game is, do I keep more O-linemen or more D-linemen? More linebackers? More secondary guys? Do I keep another receiver? Do I need to keep another tight end? How many backs do I really keep? How important? Hey, I'll tell you this. Here's the debate. Let me ask you this before we get going here. If you're Howie Roseman and you're Nick Sirianni and you're Sean Desai and you're Brian Johnson, are you having a debate after tonight's game? Does Merle make the team? Um, How about this one? Dennis Kelly, feel comfortable with him? Or should we look at a different option with more depth in the O-line? I mean, are we good with Mariota? Right? Is Penny good enough? Do we cut him? Do we feel comfortable with the other guys we have? How many running backs? Do I keep Penny or Trey Sermon? Why would you keep Penny over Trey Sermon? Sermon's outplayed him. Name recognition? Ability? Rashad Penny's a better player than Trey Sermon, right? Yeah, but get this. Who's more reliable? If you wanted to go into a 17-game NFL season, would you want to go into that season with Rashad Penny or Trey Sermon? Well, Sills, Penny's the better athlete. Yeah, but Penny can't be relied on. I know I'm going to get 17 games out of the other kid. Yeah, and Fly's right. I could drop him on special teams. Yeah, you're, you get more out of Trey Sermon than you do Rashad Penny. You get, you, you get more out of that player, and it makes your roster stronger. You got to look at special teams. Penny's not a factor on special teams. Trey Sermon could be a, a backup running back and help your special teams. Penny's not going to give you anything but two games. And you know why you say that? That's his career. It's been trending that way. But Sills, he's the better player. How long are you going to go with that notion that Rashad's Penny's going to carry the day for you when you're talking about building a roster and you're not talking about building the roster around him? you got to look at depth and you've got to look at backups that you can rely on in case of disaster. He's not one. He's not one. Trey Sermon, see, and everyone goes, yeah, but Sills, Penny's better. No, he's not if he's not available. Availability has to be part of being able to build your roster, especially in the back end of the 53. You got to be pretty creative to build a roster. Dude, I think it's easy to pick the top 10, 15 guys on your team. I think it's almost impossible in today's NFL to pick the bottom 15. Okay? You don't know. Most of those guys are your special teams guys. But you do you know half the league, half of the NFL league is undrafted players? Okay? 
I mean, not everybody can make $15 million. Okay? So, I mean, what? He hasn't played much in the preseason. I mean, I get you're trying. I mean, I, I think they're going to count on him a little. I don't know. I really don't know how they're going to do this. So that's some of the conversations. Should Zach Cunningham start? I think he should. I still think you're looking at that. Are you, hey, you know, somebody brought it up. I don't know who brought this up yesterday. One of you guys brought this up. Please tell me. Um, you, you know, with the Patriot game, are the Patriots going to airmail that game out? And what I mean by that is you think they're going to throw the ball 40 times in that game? Probably not. I don't think they have the confidence to throw the ball over 35 times in that game against the Eagles. Unless Mac Jones is, I mean, just absolutely reincarnated with Bill O'Brien, the new OC in there. That was his OC at Bama. So there's going to be a comfort zone. He's going to know what he can and can't do. Do you start Sidney Brown? I think that's a conversation. Do you do you start Sidney Brown knowing full well the Patriots are going to run the hell out of the ball in game one? I would also say this tonight. It's going to be an ugly game. The Eagles will probably get destroyed tonight, but that's not, that you, they don't want to telegraph anything, in my opinion. They don't want to telegraph anything to give the Patriots a heads up what they're going to do in two weeks. So... You're looking more situationally on how they're going to do things. Let's get into it a little bit here. Some of the stuff that I want to see tonight. By the way, I want to show you something here. And I want to say this something about the camp in general. The Eagle camp so far in the offseason and how they've gone through their offseason and how they got through camp as they go into tonight's last exhibition game. They had a hell of an offseason. And I'm going to make this point to you. I think they had a better offseason this year than they did a year ago. Now, do they have the same kind of talent acquisitions that they did a year? No. But what they were doing, they were dealing with keeping the level of play as close to a year ago as possible. Even with all the exits on the team, especially on the defensive side. I didn't think in March that this team was going to be able to minimize the damage on defense. They did. They minimized it to a point where it was impressive. Are they the same team? That's not the point here. The drop-off might not be as devastating as I thought it was. As a matter of fact, I don't think it is. I thought you were going to, when you lose your top five tacklers and you're already considered not a very good tackling team, the chances of you coming back and being a top 10 defense are known. But they have a shot at being a defense. How about this? They may not be a top 10 defense the first eight games, but they may finish up a top 10 defense heading into 2024. They may end up. So if they're 15th, but they end a season looking like a top 10, 
they got back to the level of play on defense and it just took them a little time to mature. That's kind of what you're hoping for here. Okay. So they really did a spectacular job in the off season here. I get it. They're relying on rookies, Chris. And that's why I'm saying this the way I am, but I don't think that drop off of play by the end of the year is going to be as devastating as I once thought it was. Really, going into tonight, I don't have any issues on offense. I, I, You know what? I would say this to you. I think they're going to do a really good job at the right guard position. I think they have the coach, the system, the quarterback, the talent, the players to overcome that position. Say Amalo was a good ball player. Let's not forget something about Say Amalo. There was a small battle at the beginning of training camp last year for the right guard position. And he closed that door quick. I think that could be done again this year. Hey, and who knows? Maybe Cam Jurgens turns into the next Landon Dickerson, where they may have to go back into the draft and find another a center. Landon Dickerson was brought into Philadelphia to take over for Kelsey. The Eagles would never move him over to center. He's going to be a top three offensive guard. And when he gets paid next year, he's going to be a $20 million a year guy. They would never do that. They would never think about putting him back in a position to take over for Kelsey. Maybe Jurgens does the same thing. Okay? Maybe. It, and you got Steen, who's had a hell of a camp. The running back position? I don't know, man. I don't think they're worried about replacing 1,100 yards rushing. Can I tell you what I think they're wanting to do? I think they had a philosophical change at running back. They're not looking for an eye back. They're looking for a versatile back. And that's why Swift may be an upgrade. So you're not really looking for anything because the decision maker is Jalen Hurts. And I'm gonna, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about all of this as camp closes and the final exhibition game tonight. I'll tell you something that I've noticed also. These are all observations that I have. Here's something else that you could see the impression of Matt Patricia and Sean Desai already. You know, dropping James Bradbury into a slot cover guy, moving players around, that is such a Patriot MO on how they do things. Matt Patricia... That's not really Desai. Vic Fangio doesn't move people around in positions. The Patriots did. That's Matt Patricia's influence. They're going to play more press coverage. Matt Patricia fired Darius Slay because he didn't believe he was a press cover corner in Detroit. And that's all they played in New England was press coverage. They weren't. They weren't zone cover corners. They never have been zone cover corners in New England. Not in the history of Bill, Bill Belichick when he was the defensive coordinator with the New York Giants. When he was the secondary coach with the Broncos back in the day. Has never believed in zone cover corners. You're going to play more press. You're moving guys around. That's a Patriot deal. That's not a Vic Fangio deal. Patricia moving. Hey, and by the way, 
I don't know, dropping Edmonds down into a linebacker type role. Okay. Playing with more, your, your talent is more in your secondary than in your linebacker core. Got to put more pressure on your defensive front to get home. I think the hiring of Matt Patricia by the end of the year, I think you guys are going to walk that back. Nobody suggested he's a great head coach. Nobody in a million years has suggested that. But when it comes to being an assistant defensive coach, that shit last year, that whole chaotic thing was a Belichick screw-up. That's why the Kraft family went out and overpaid Bill O'Brien. You think Bill O'Brien was really going to leave Alabama making $3 million a year as the OC to go up there and listen to Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator? They gave him full reign. They needed somebody like a Josh McDaniels, who's a pretty good coordinator. I don't think he's a very good head coach. I think he'll be fired. Maybe midway point of the season this year if the Raiders don't get it going. He has not shown me also he's not a head coach. So to me, I mean, the versatility, the moving players around, maybe changing the fronts, disguising them, I think that's Matt Patricia and Desai working as one. And I think Desai will bring more pressure. That's not something Patricia and the Patriots are known for. But I do think he's going to be more explosive when it comes to bringing safety blitz, especially when you got a guy like Sidney Brown. These are just options. Again, Fangio believes in pressure. And the only reason the Patriots um, were a team that never brought pressure is because they got great man cover corners. Always have. Revis to Gilmore. You don't think there's any coincidence that you had guys like Darrell Revis in New England and Stephon Gilmore, who was the defensive player of the year, and those guys were corners. You, you don't think there's any coincidence to that well that's how they played up there and I do believe that the side's going to bring pressure with guys like Sidney Brown that's that's the philosophy changes that kind of what I've seen from Jonathan Gannon I told you this a year ago I think Jonathan Gannon is a plug-and-play guy I don't really believe he's a very creative defensive coordinator like he's not Dan Quinn when you play press and move guys around, you make the quarterback think, especially pre-snap. The worst thing you can do, you know, one of the great things that the uh, Ravens used to do, do you remember that bunch huddle they used to have? They probably still run the bunch huddle. I'm a big fan of the bunch huddle. They all congregate in the middle. Do you know what most inexperienced defensive coordinators do? They'll call a defense. And immediately want you to line up in your position. Why would you telegraph that to today's quarterbacks who are looking for this free and strong safety and reading them? Why would you telegraph your alignment already pre-snap? You're already giving the quarterback the advantage when you do that on pre-snap. That's why Jonathan Vilma told me how you had to handle Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. We'd come up there with those audibles, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. 
And Vilma would wait, and he would see the time clock. And it would get down to 10 seconds. Most linebackers and inexperienced linebackers, those guys will tell them to get to their formations and their positions in the defense. Manning used to read that all the time. Vilma waited. Set! At five seconds. Move! They'd move after Peyton in five seconds. And they would move to their alignment. Make that guy wait all the way to the very end. Because that in that time, you have to get your blocking scheme down. And you also have to get your wideouts, the routes that they have to run. Are you telling your tight end block and release? Are they bringing a blitz? And you've got to do that within five seconds. Most of the inexperienced linebackers, what they do, they set the defense prior to that, 15 seconds prior to the to the set when the quarterback goes, set! Once he does that, the O-line can't move, right? One guy can move, one wideout at a time can move because you can't, it's not Canadian football, but both guys can move. That's illegal motion. Can't do that. It's a game you're playing. Okay, it's a game. So, you got some. You, I. How about this? I think there's a really good chance that the Eagles could be smarter in the schematics this year than they were a year ago. May not as be well. They're not going to be as experienced. But I. I. I you're probably going to be a little more athletic. But what you're going to be is, you're going to be in a position because of the coordinators to put you in a better position. It's just, see, to me, I'm encouraged. When I hear people being moved around, I'm encouraged with creativity. I'm encouraged with that. The only problem that I have with the Eagle defense, I don't think they got a ton of reps you know, in the preseason. Then again, I don't think anybody gets a ton of reps when you're trying to run a complex system. Like, I think it's more complex this year than it was a year ago. Because you 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 have to cover more issues. I and, and you know my position. I think your Mike linebacker is the most inexperienced position on your defense, and it is. To be candid, it's the most relied upon position, and it's the most inexperienced position you have on defense, maybe in your whole team. That's a glaring factor. The number one problem you have is your mic. And if you notice one thing, I didn't say if he could play or not. I'm telling you he hasn't played. That's a problem. That's a problem. 11 goes, why is Rodgers playing in the last preseason game? They want to get some momentum in the O-line going. They don't want – they want to go out there. They want to get some continuity. I don't – Rodgers probably doesn't think they have enough continuity. And he wants these guys to hear him in-game sequence. Set! Wants to hear audibles. He wants the other 10 guys to hear him. He's been up in Green Bay for 17 years. They knew what to expect in any given series. These guys have never played with him outside of a practice. So he wants them to
to take the boat out for a spin. Just so they're all on board together. That's what he wants. It's smart. Okay? It's smart. And and what makes it even smarter? You're not really going to be playing against a ton of good players. Now, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. The Giants aren't very deep on defense. I doubt you're going to see um, frontline guys for the Giants playing against the Jets this weekend. Okay, so, I mean, I think they look for continuity. Plus, I think there's a little bit of old school in Rodgers here going, let me get these guys the understanding of what we're going to hear. Okay? If Patricia was such a great defensive coordinator, why did Bill make him OC? Because Bill made a coaching decision that was a fault, that was a failure. Are you under the impression that Belichick doesn't make mistakes? Did you see that um, Mikhail uh, Harry got cut by the Vikings today? Bill flubbed that pickup, didn't he? That wide receiver pick. I thought he sucked coming out of Arizona State. Bill's made mistakes before. You see, Bill's ego got in the way. He thinks good coaches can coach anything. Not the case. You stick to what makes you great. Why in the world would I take a brain surgeon and ask him to be an accountant? Why? Why would I want him to be? You take a brain surgeon and you go, hey, can you do a knee surgery? Why would I do that? It doesn't make sense. Okay? It just it doesn't make sense. All right, let's take a look at what we're going to look at tonight here. Um, I think it's going to be as vanilla as it could possibly be tonight against the Colts. You're not going to see anything. They're not going to telegraph anything in New England. You're going to see a lot of very bland offense, running the ball, throwing across the middle. There's not going to be anything exotic tonight. You're not trying to tip anybody's hand. You may even put out false information plays tonight and just game plan things that you would never plays in the book that you would ever use. You may do shit like that tonight. But I do think that I'd like to see Mariota play the first half of this game. From what I'm hearing, he may not play the first half. Okay, you're going to save him? Sure, okay. You don't have another option that's out there on the market. You There's just not another option. See, you got to understand something. Some of these positions, as we go into tonight's game, are set in stone. You're Mike Linebacker. There's no more conversation about N'Kobe Dean any longer for me. You are not going to get any more conversation or criticism. What's the point? What's the point of me saying something that I've made my stance clear on? Okay? We're going to – I don't believe it. I don't believe he's going to be good enough against New England. I think they're going to pick on him. But let's go see. That's an opinion. Okay? That's an opinion. And the only reason I'm with that opinion is because he just hasn't had enough practice time. Guy missed two weeks. He hasn't played a lot. And he hasn't played a lot in two years. Kobe Dean hasn't played in two years. I don't know. We'll see. We go. Um, and, and like I said, 
It's the biggest weakness on the Eagles. And your backup QB. I'm not, not sure about the backup QB being a weakness. I think finding the backup for Jalen will be a very difficult challenge for Howie Roseman over the next two years, three years. I'd like to see those backups uh, play, especially in the offensive line a little bit. Um, the second team guys, I want to see Steen play a little bit. Um, maybe maybe you work the tight end position. I want to, because you're not deep at all at tight end. If Goddard goes down, you don't have a tight end. If Dallas Goddard goes down, you're in trouble at tight end. Now, is that a factor with all the weapons you have? Could cut over, you're going to be able to overcome it because your offense is stacked. But you get a tight end injury and a wideout injury on that Eagle offense, you're not winning as many games as you think. You can't lose Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard in the same time. That offense will be half of what it is. Okay? I don't like the tight ends in Philadelphia. I like one of them, and he's great. Okay? But he's got to prove to me he can play 17 games. After him, you have nothing. Um, I want to see how they're going to rotate defensive line and defensive line play. I'd like to see Milton Williams get some reps tonight. I like him. I think you could play him in numerous positions. I think you could play him in a three technique, two technique, nose guard. I'd like to see a little bit more rocks in his pocket. I don't think he's a really gigantic dude compared to the other horses you have in the middle there. But he's a good football player. Okay? He is. He's a good football player. And I'd like to see him a little bit heavier. That's okay. And I think what you're going to get after the start of the season, I would do this if I'm Howie and Tracy Rocker. Do, do, I, do I think about bringing Sue back? Who played better last year, Sue or Linville Joseph? I thought Linville Joseph played better, actually. I thought Joseph was better, especially against the run. I thought Joseph was better. Sue's got the name. But I, 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 I thought Linville Joseph was better. Maybe Sue's a better pass rusher. Okay? But if you're if you're looking and you're concerned about Nicobe and his playing time and the run game, maybe you bring Joseph back and you put him in there and you think about signing him and bringing him in as a rotation guy for first and second down, especially if Jordan Davis doesn't hold down the fort. I mean, there's a lot riding on. Jordan Davis to stop the run this year. If Jordan Davis can't help stop the run, the Kobe Dean won't make eight games. So there's a lot of pressure on him, not just to get stats, but there's pressure on him because you know why? Here's the pressure on Jordan Davis this year. Well, we now found out he's a first and second down guy. Well, shit, dude. If you can't stop the run on a consistent basis and you can't play 60 plays, you're not a pass rusher. You're a bust. You've now limited yourself 
to being a one-dimensional guy. Well, if you can't make that one dimension a strength for the team, what's the point of having you? What, we're going to sign another Derek Barnett? There's a lot of pressure on him. Okay? He's got to live up to at least being the first and second down defensive tackle. Okay? You can make an argument there's more pressure on Jordan Davis than Dean. Absolutely, because he's got to take care of two spots, his own and Dean. The entire run defense is going to come with that one technique. It's on him. Hey, I told you this a year ago. I never thought Javon Hardgrave was a spectacular run defensive guy. That's why you hung out in the 16s and around there in run defense. Your run defense the last two years has been a tick above average. You've not been exceptional against the run. You haven't. But then again, how he sees the future. Most teams don't have eyebacks anymore. But what do they have? Most teams run play action. Those scat back guys. They create run lanes. They're not looking for volume running. They're looking for big plays out of the run game. You know, back in the day, you're going to run the ball 28 times. Most teams don't want to run the ball 28 times. They'd rather run the ball 16 times and get the same yardage, which means you're setting play action up. Okay? I I, want to see how the free and strong safety guys are rotating around. I also want to – they're probably not going to do a lot of movement tonight. But I'm going to be interested in to see. This thing's going to look very vanilla. Here's what I would say if Sidney Brown gets in the game. This is what's going to happen this year with Sidney Brown. He is going to put a smile on your face. He's also going to make you pull your hair out. Okay? You're going to see him get beat on a big play. Two plays later. He's going to knock a wide receiver or tight end out. And you know how I said that the Eagles don't have anybody that could cover tight ends? I don't know. I might lock this guy up on him. I might lock that guy up on tight ends. But see, his aggressiveness against guys like Kelsey will be used against him. So you gotta, you gotta coach, you gotta kind of coach him down. You got to kind of keep him in the sandbox. You know that kid that gets crazy with the pot and the shovel and he's in the sandbox and he's throwing shit around, jumping out of the box, putting the sand. You got to kind of keep everything in there. That's all right, though. I'd rather coach that kid than somebody that I got to kind of prod to get going here. Let's go, kid. Let's go here. I don't want that guy on my team, especially on defense. I want the more aggressive guy. But he's going to make you pull your hair out. And, and um, Bahami Eagle goes, I can live with that. Me too. Me too, because you know what's going to happen? Slay and Bradbury are going to go, don't. Hey, blowing a guy up and knocking a guy out is not important. That plus 25 play is. 
dude, if you come out and make 15 decent hits on a player and you don't give up a shitty play, that's a win. If you did this, four unbelievable plays and you gave up two shitty ones that led to touchdowns, that's a horrible day. This is about not giving up the big play. This is about not having the mental mistake. That's why a guy like Derek Barnett can't play in this team. He can't play. You know why? He may make a strip sack or a fumble recovery that you guys will remember for the rest of your life. What about the shitty other 250 plays he's made? Does that cover it? You really think one play covers all the shitty moments he's had? That's because most of you're sentimental and you look at Nick Foles and that's why you want his ass back. This guy makes one play, albeit a huge play. But what about the other 250 plays? That he costs his team field position, penalties, mental errors. Come on, man. Give me a break. Okay? Chip goes, how many times do you have to knock Dean? It's not knocking. It's fact. Knock Dean? Well, I'll tell you, Chip, until I see him play. Couldn't beat T.J. Edwards out. Okay? He couldn't. He was an undrafted linebacker. And Chip, there's not a chance he's having 160 tackles this year. Not a chance. There's not a chance he has 130. That was his first year Edwards starting. Not a chance. I'm going to be interested to see if they move guys into different positions. Okay? N.S. Wells goes, how about 125 tackles? So you're theoretically going to take a 35 or 30 tackle loss at the Mike linebacker position when you were already a shitty tackling team last year. Okay? That's an upgrade. Nicobe Dean in his first year will not be an upgrade to Edwards. Not a chance. But let's go see him play. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with that conversation. Okay? I'm done with that. There's nothing you could do about it today. Just banging my head against the wall here. We got to wait for week one, New England. We'll find out. New England, again, too. New England's the worst team in the AFC East. We'll find out. He should have, according to you guys, Dean should have 20 tackles in that game against the worst team in the AFC East. I'll say this to you. If New England was in the NFC South, they'd win 12 games. They'd win 12 games. 
If they were in the NFC North, they're better than Minnesota. Okay? So let's go here. That's kind of what I'm looking for. That's kind of what I'm looking for tonight. Um, Nothing exotic. Let's take a look at linebackers, the rotation, and stuff like that, okay? Great. Hey, hey, Kayvon. Kayvon disagrees with me on that. Okay, Kayvon, I'm going to do one last thing on that topic. What is the one thing that you've seen so far that makes you confident that N'Kobe Dean is going to replace 160 tackles and 100 solo tackles this coming season? And if you give it to me, I'll go, you're right. What's the one thing? What's the one thing you've seen in games that makes you say that, that you're comfortable? One thing. And I'll go, you know, I missed that. Now, for those of you that answered correctly, Sills. But doesn't that apply the other way too? What if he does? Correct. I agree with you. Watch what tape? What tape are you talking about? Booza, what tape? What tape are you watching? Chris, the punch out? The punch out means he played well against the third team O-line in Cleveland who ran the ball down their throat. I watched the tape. He was terrible. False steps. The two tackles in front of him were no better. College? Time to move on. I got another topic here. Um, yeah, I'll break the Vanderbilt tape out. Um, let me ask you something here. How how comfortable are you? How comfortable? How about this? Not you. How comfortable do you think Howie is in Marcus Mariota now? How comfortable? How comfortable do you think? think he is with Mariota as the backup Cody goes not at all how how this dude says has been wrong about damn everything I told you uh, last year Jalen Hurts would never throw for 4,000 yards and he would never play 17 games I told you your team would go to the Super Bowl I'm not sure what else to say, kid. Everything? I picked you to go to the Super Bowl. I said he'd never throw for 30 touchdowns. I said he'd never finish the season of 17 games. We were pretty much right on a lot of shit last year with him. 
I'm just echoing what we said, that you'd win the NFC championship. We weren't wrong there. Okay? Still harping on... No, I was asked the question. Let's get back to again. Um, So would you say that he's kind of like... How he... The organization is a little bit, would you not say this, that the organization's a little bit iffy at the backup quarterback position, right? Okay. This is going to sound crazy. This is going to sound crazy. What do you think the market value is right now for Trey Lance? If the 49ers, I'll give you a quote from John Lynch today. The plan is to have Trey Lance on the roster as of now. That is so not a ringing endorsement. Okay. Fifth rounder? For a guy he gave up three ones for. How about training that Philly offense instead of that psychotic Kyle Shanahan offense? I'd rather have Trey Lance and Anthony Richardson. Isn't it funny how they look at two guys differently now? What in the world makes you think Anthony Richardson is going to be a better prospect than Trey Lance? Isn't that nuts? Today, everyone is looking at Anthony Richardson like he's some. He's not. He wasn't a star at Florida. He was a high hurdle guy or something or an athlete. The same thing that guy is. That guy's only had 416 attempts since 2019. Fly goes, Anthony Richardson's better than Trey Lance. How do you know that? He sucked at Florida. You think 51% completion percentage is a good quarterback? And you're you're taking the advice of a team that can't get the quarterback right, let alone the head coach right. You're trying to tell me you think that that guy in Indianapolis is getting it right at quarterback or head coach. If you're the Eagles and Howie Roseman, you could get a steal with Lance. Tell you what, I'll give you two fives for him. And you bring him in as your backup. You put him in that RPO offense. The thing he should be running anyway. Who says that Kyle Shanahan's a good RPO coach? Sirianni wasn't. That's why he gave up the calling, play calling duties. I think you have to be an exceptional coach to do the play call. Nick Sirianni's a seven-step dropback coach. He's not an RPO coach. He gave it up. And, and Buza goes, no. What are your options? Mariota, no problem. Okay. 
<laughs> so you're telling me I could get Lance potentially and you could take that kid off the books there. I'm spitballing here. He might be your backup. Guy comes in, plays great in three games. If Hurts gets hurt, all of a sudden you have a market. You could trade him for a two. All Trey Lance has to do is look good in two games. And the value of whatever you trade for him will skyrocket because of the limited amount of throws he's had. Okay. Jalen Hurts went from 51% and two. Jalen Hurts, you're are you trying to say that's a bull face lie? Jalen Hurts was 61% in 2020. Or um or wait a minute. In 2000 and his first year starting in 21. And at Oklahoma, he was a Heisman runner-up. Come on, guy. Whatever, dude. Anthony Richardson stunk at Florida. He stunk. How many times are you going to have to see? Do you know, you know what's funny? How many times are you? There's been more failure quarterbacks drafted in the first round in the last 36 years than successes. The majority of them are bums. Here, watch this. Let's just take a look at a couple years ago. Zach Wilson, Jordan Love, Trey Lance, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, (laughs) Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, but Anthony Richardson, hey, What would make you think C.J. Stroud's going to be a good player? How many people think C.J. Stroud's going to be an elite player in the NFL? Okay. How many people thought think he's going to be an elite player? If we're drafting odds, only one of three quarterbacks drafted in the first round will be relatively decent, and that's if you're lucky. And if you draft somebody out of Southern Cal or Ohio State, those odds go down exponentially. (laughs) They don't produce quarterbacks. They produce wideouts, O-linemen, and running backs at those places. Not quarterbacks. Most of them stink. Okay? Yeah, well, I'll disagree on Vince Young. I think that the quarterback killer that he had for a head coach who sucks as a head coach and Jeff Fisher had a lot to do with his demise. You do understand that Vince Young in his career, he was the rookie of the year in the NFL 
And Vince Young as a starting quarterback in the NFL was 37 and 19. That doesn't suck. And by the way, for the record, Vince Young was a two-time Pro Bowler. I mean, you're you're if you think Vince Young was a bad player, he was a two-time Pro Bowler, rookie of the year. 37 and 19 as a starting quarterback. Jeff Fisher sucked. He hasn't had a winning season in the last decade. I don't know how he got even the XFL job. That guy is a quarterback killer. I think he had Case Keenum and Foles or a whole group of dudes in like the uh, Rams locker room or something or something like that. And he fired them all. He's not a good coach. Okay. I mean, he stunk. Jeff, Jared Goff looked awful. Two years later, Jared Goff with Sean McVay goes to a Super Bowl. And now you're looking at him in Detroit going, I don't know. This kid looks pretty good. Didn't Fisher coach McNair? Yeah. Or kind of. Look at his last 10 years in the NFL as a head coach. And then you make the assessment if you think he was a good head coach. Look at his last 10 years at Tennessee and with the Rams. And you tell me if you think he was good. I don't know. I don't think he had a winning record. I don't think he had a winning season. I don't, I, I, seriously, his last 10 years, I don't think he had a winning year. I think he had a 500 season in there somewhere. Didn't you predict Jalen Hurts' numbers due to Eagles blowing uh, teams out by halftime so bad? Very few passing attempts in the fourth quarter. moment he pushed, he balled in the Super Yeah, Justin, he balled in the Super Bowl and lost. So what? So what? Once again, a guy giving credit in a losing situation. Nobody plays well in a loss. Scoop and score. You want to go there? Don't talk about Mahomes and that game any longer. You had the better team. You had the better moment. You had the worst coaches, and it cost you on special teams and four plays in that game. And when you play teams like Mahomes and quarterbacks like that and coaches like Andy Reid, you can't make four mistakes. You don't have that latitude that you have in the shitbox NFC. You don't have that option. That guy's beating you twice in a row. Got another opportunity at Arrowhead. I mean, we're running out of places to play here. You played him in a neutral place in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They brought out a brand new field for you guys. And then when the Chiefs went out there, they got the old field back so that they could have footing or some stupid-ass excuse. In a game like that, you get one mistake if that. Correct. 
And against a guy like that, you get one mistake. Jeffrey goes, Hurts didn't cost us the game. The defense did. If you would ask Jalen Hurts that question, we swam to that Super Bowl together. We lost together. Nobody dissects shit like that except the media. You win and lose as a team, as one unit. And the Eagles have played that. So as soon as adversity hits, who said that? That guy who said that. Get this. As soon as adversity hits, a guy like that who said that, hey, Hurts didn't cost us the game. The defense did. He immediately wants to divide the locker room with a comment like that. That's why people have different mentalities. That, that eagle mentality is they lost and won as a team and they got there as a team. Lowbrow thinking people will dissect how you lost, whatever. Excuses on fields and shit, whatever. It's a team sport, exactly, Gary. You don't, you, you, you don't get, what do you call them, victories? You don't, you, you don't get those, like, feel-good, happy victories and losses because you think your guy played well. I'll, I'll, I'll make this point to you. I'll make this point to you one more time. Jalen Hurts is out. Statistic, Patrick Mahomes in the last two games he's played him. Then why do you have two L's? Why do you have two L's? He's a better player in timely situations, and you got a better coach. You don't have the better team. That's why when you guys go into this 2023 thing, the entire offseason, everyone has kept telling us how great your roster is. It doesn't matter how great your roster is. Because when it counts the most, you can't be the Cowboys. Every year, the Cowboys, we keep hearing this shit every year about the Cowboys. Don't brought it up yesterday. He, he said the same. Sills, every year I hear how good they are. They're 22 and 10 the last two years. Yeah, and 0 and 1 and divisional, 0 and 2 in divisional games. <laughs> okay. So you're a little bit better than the Vikings. Sills, you're talking to guys that say my belly hurts and I can't go to work. They're like baseball guys, they got blisters on their finger, right? You can't pitch today. <laughs> That's why I hate baseball. I, I don't hate baseball. I hate pitchers. Pitchers to me are quarterbacks. They're the same guy. Quarterbacks are a little tougher, though, because they do play through injuries. All right? They do. I can't pitch my, my fifth day because my blister on my finger. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Repeating what? What are you talking about? I'm talking about going into 2023 with all the bullshit you guys have been telling me about your great roster. So let me ask you this. What have you done this year to rectify the Super Bowl loss?
What did you do to improve your team? Anybody? What did you do to improve your team? You know, I I, I got I to say it one more time. Tone, I'm listening to the Sports Take guys. Josh Allen made a step backwards. They were 13-3. and three. If he plays any better, they're undefeated. So wait, you think that guy played poorly? And you think that he's not... If he has five less turnovers, are they undefeated? Is that what you're saying? Allen played so horrible... He's a turnover machine. They were 13 and three, beat the Bengals and beat the Chiefs. He's beaten them guys. He plays any better, they're undefeated. Stat? Here's the only stat you need to have, Jackson 13 and three. They'd have been 14 and three if they played the Bengal game, probably. So he sucks so bad to a 13 and 3 record in the AFC. Personally, I don't think he played terrible. He just has to be a bit smarter. Yeah, that there's no question that Viking game, he gave that game up in home field advantage and it was a critical loss. So wait, they'd have been 15 and 2 if he protects the ball. Dude, that guy, you're telling me he's got more upside? Jalen Hurts can't play any better than he did. You're telling me Allen can? That's scary. Because we're not talking about a guy who just put up stats like Kirk Cousins and loses to nobodies. This guy beats the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And puts up an amazing schedule. Like, once again... Winning the AFC is harder than winning the Super Bowl. Jalen. So let me ask you this. That's funny you should say that. So you think Jalen Hurts could go to Minnesota, you go to Buffalo and and do the same things in Buffalo if Josh Allen came to Philly? He's got one wideout up there and a Gabe Davis guy. Really? See, I think that's where we differ. I do think Hurts. I don't. Here, here, I'll tell you one more. I'm, I'm, let me, let me, let me make a comment on Jalen's camp. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a comment on on Hurts. Let me write that down. And I'm gonna tell you my opinion on Jalen Hurts' camp. And there's one, one telling comment that I've heard about Jalen Hurts this camp that's encouraging I want to get to that okay I want to get to that because I do think that that's important okay can't put limitations on my guy yeah but again Tone that guy throws for 35 touchdowns 4,500 yards He's 13 and three and people are trying to tell me, well, you know, 
he's kind of made some steps back with Ken Dorsey. Wasn't Brian Dable. Jesus criminy. If he gets any better in Buffalo, they'll be undefeated. They'll be undefeated. My man, what's the record for the Eagles? I'll get to that. I'll get to all this. My boy Tone's going to jump on with us too. Okay? He's going to jump on with us at 4.30. Don't forget, tonight, do me a favor. We are so privileged to have Hooters as our official home this fall here. It's the 40th anniversary. I'm so proud to be involved with Hooters pretty much the entire time as we're talking about the 40th anniversary. Seven locations in the Northeast area for you to be able to go to. There's one near you. Go to northeasthooters.com to find that location for you to be able to go in and have yourself a great time. Fantasy draft parties, this is your one-stop place for you to go. Call, reserve a seat. The iconic Hooter girls will be there to serve you Tuesdays. How about this? You buy 10 wings, you get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, one of the great 40-year traditions that Hooters have ha- has had all through the decades. All-you-can-eat 1983. It's been something that's been there forever. Happy hours are sensational. Six items. Six items for six bucks. Get your favorite bra- your draft. Get your favorite sandwich. Get your steamers. Absolutely sensational. Do me a favor. Go to northeasthooters.com to find that location nearest you. Don't forget, King of Prussia, we're coming for you, baby. That's where we're going to be opening up and having great times with everybody out there. We're going to be tailgating, doing so much. Go to at Dan Cilio Show for you to be able to see that schedule and when we're going to be in town and such. We so look forward to it. We look forward to seeing you at the Hooters tonight, the official home of the Eagle fans. And when you go to Hooters, do me a favor. You tell them Big Sill sent you. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement 
But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Well. We may be having a very special guest at the bottom of the hour. Angelo Cataldi may be jumping on the program at 4.30, so we'll move my guy, Tone, to 5.30. And we're working on that right now, so hopefully we're going to make that happen. That the legendary WIP host, Angelo Cataldi, will join us at 4.30 this hour here and we'll see if we're able to get him on i've been trying to get angie on here and trying to get angelo on here for the last year so we'll see what he says by the way it's funny because tone tone was telling me the whole time that he goes angelo had like he had a uh uh like 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 a stranglehold on the market okay he just and personally, you know this. He he could have he could have continued. Okay, he could have continued doing it as long as he wanted. The buddy story. Okay, dollar ninety nine. What's the buddy story? What are you talking about? Which one? When he came down and saw Jerome and I, or the one where he told me to get the f out of Philly. That one. Because Jerome played so poorly the night. I think you guys were playing. And Bear, Bear's been asking me. He's been dropping some money, so I got to do it here. Um. So they were bring after I got re, uh, released by the. Um, hey, hey, Bear! After I got released by the uh, the Buccaneers, um, I, I I I went to Dallas, but I was going to go to Philly. And he brought me in, and Jerome had played so poorly, man. It was a Monday night game. You guys got your ass kicked or something. Okay, you guys got your butt kicked. And buddy's buddy sees me. I work out. They want me. And, you know, all of a sudden they go, go talk to him. Go talk to him. So I go over and I talk to him. Hey, he goes, I know who you are. I know who you are. You think I want another one of you around here? Jerome goes like this. And I looked at him and I went, you asshole. It just like that, Jerome goes like this. Ugh. Everything was set for me to be an eagle. General manager at the time wanted me. Dude, I think Jeff Fisher may have been the D-line coach. I think, hey, I think he may have been the D-line coach at the time, Jeff Fisher, of that eagle team. 
If I'm not mistaken, I think he was the D-line coach. And he worked me out. And we, we, we went around there and, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it worked me out. Everyone wanted me. And that's what Buddy goes, you think I want another one of you, you guys around here? And I swear to God, man, I let it out. I went just like this, you asshole. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Buddy was a character, though. I really enjoyed him. Every year he would come down to the University of Miami. And he would come down and um, he would talk to us. In the first year in 86, we had a chance, me and Jerome and Danny Stubbs and Jimmy Johnson and Dave Wanstad and Butch Davis. Uh, we went to uh, lunch with him and he came down and we were watching film and he, he's sitting there watching film with us. He goes, silly, oh man, what, what is that? What's that, a false step? What are you looking at? Read the technique, kid. Stop guessing. He's hollering at me. Butch is looking at me like this. Jerome's looking at me, and I'm like, he's like, are you guessing? Why are you guessing? The guy in front of you is going to, maybe this is why I'm, I'm, I get a little bent with you guys sometimes. is because some of the coaches that coached me, I'm kind of just telling you a little bit here about my experiences. I was coached by Buddy Ryan, Jimmy Johnson, Tom Landry, Ernie Stautner, um, Lamar Leachman. These are all legendary D-line and defensive coaches. Okay? you, you Hey, I may not have played a thousand years in the NFL or in pro ball but I was coached by some of the greatest coaches that's ever been in the league. So don't for the life of you not think that I wasn't, I was coached by some nobody. Ernie Stauntner coached me. Okay. Ernie Stauntner. He coached me. Lamar Leachman who coached those D lines with the giants back in the Parcells days. Coached me. Okay, those guys were all and like Buddy Buddy Ryan come Buddy Ryan came down for three days, two years in a row, and we got coaching from him. We got coaching from him. He'd come down and coach us up. He'd be out there with us coaching the defensive line and the linebackers. He coached the triangle. Like here, here's what I think he would say about about Nicobe Dean. Now again. You can't coach these kids today like you can back in the day. You're not, you're not, you're not going to coach. You're not going to coach people like that. You can't holler at people like that. It's a different kid today. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's just a different kid. It, it's totally a different kid today. So yeah, let me, let, let me come here. And tell you a little bit, my takeaway from Jalen Hurts' camp. I heard something today, yesterday, and I've heard it for the last three weeks. How do you guys think Jalen Hurts has played this training camp? Do you think he got better? 
do you think he got better? Do you think Jalen got better? That was one of the things that we were talking about a little bit at the end of the first hour. 11 goes, no. Joseph, yes. How many people believe Jalen got better this training camp compared to last year's training camp? And by the way, no, no, no exhibition football, more so in the controlled environment. Joshua goes, personally, I think he got better. Yes, would like to see games, but it's okay. Haven't seen him in a game, so hard to say. Probably so, Kevin. So, Kevin, what would you rely on then? I'm going to tell you. Here's my takeaway on Hertz's camp. I've heard nothing really about Jalen, but I'll tell you what I have heard. People going like this, man, you've got to watch A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith catch footballs. It's insane. These guys are awesome. They may be the best pass-catching duo in the league. And the thing you hear is, man, these guys are just mismatches against everybody in those controlled environments. Everything, man, you hear about AJ and Devontae. Well, shit, that's a reflection of Hurts. That's a reflection of him getting the football out. And why is that critical? What does that tell me? When you're hearing people rave about wideouts, it's easy to sit there and go, well, the quarterback doesn't get hit because the quarterback is protected in practices, which is true. So what do you do? You don't really talk about the QB because it's not really live bullets, but it's live bullets for them wideouts, ain't it? Them whiteouts, they're not in orange gear. Those whiteouts are not in orange gear. Okay? They're not. All you're hearing about people say, man, Devontae's just running smoother routes. Um, A.J. Brown looks just great. You're like, can I tell you where I think he improved? Sounds to me that Jalen Hurts is recognizing pressure better. Blitzing. Sees it. Finding passing lanes. That's where he's improving. The game is doing this. Most players in the NFL start with binoculars. Then you go to blinders. Then the blinders are taken off. And you just run. And you see the field. I think because he's becoming more comfortable in that offense, he's seeing everything a lot better. He's seeing the blitzer. He's seeing the passing lane. He's seeing his target. That's only taken three years to do. 
Most guys struggle with that, and it takes them a five-year progression to get, be able to do all that. So all the little tea leaves, all the tea leaves. You know, I, I, I agree, Big D. I agree the watching of the, the watching of the tape. But the things that you see on tape, I still believe that you have to apply. You know what I'm saying? I do. I still think you have to apply. And I would make this point to you, man. I would say this to you, um, that what Hertz is doing in the postseason, what he's doing in the preseason here, I would make the point to you that he's picking up blitzes better. All you're hearing is people raving about the wide receivers. And I would just say this to you, man. There's no question about it that his decision-making is probably getting better. All right. I saw something the other day that made me laugh my ass off. I talked to Tony Bruno the other day, and I said this about Angelo Cataldi because I don't know. I, not, I know why I'm no longer on the radio now because I, I don't know about doing this to like guys like Trey Turner. Do you need a hug? Do you need a hug? Do you want to feel better? Hey, Philly fans. Oh, my God. I pray. There's no way, Angelo, when I used to go down to the Jersey Shore and I used to go down to Nickel Beer Night, Wildwood, listen to him going like this. Why don't we all give Trey Turner a hug? <laughs> Let's bring in the legend himself. It's an honor to have him on here, Angelo Cataldi. Angelo, I don't know what's happened since you left, man. These guys, the, the, the fans are now throwing love kisses and rainbows out to Trey Turner. It's very upsetting to me, Dan. I, I was actually consulted at one point before they decided to give a standing ovation to a guy making $30 million a year and hitting 220. And uh, I said, uh, not on my watch. That wouldn't have happened. But <laughs> that's why I'm not in the business anymore, Dan. I'm a dinosaur. They proved that when, you know, they kind of got him out of the slop. So I guess it worked. I don't know. Angelo, do you miss it? Um, you know, it's parts of it. Yeah, the the uh, by play with the fans was my favorite part. Uh, the big games that was fun. Uh, I don't miss getting up in the middle of the night, um, and I don't miss the the pressure of I mean, you do it. There's pressure every day. You got to be prepared. You got to be ready. And there, not every day is there a big story to deal with. So I'm I'm happy that part of it's over, but. I got a 33-year run. I can't complain. Hey, you know, I, I did morning drive for 25 years, and I'll say this to you, Angelo. I mean, being a vampire was not anything that I enjoyed getting up <laughs> in the morning at 3.30, getting in there. My day's over. I go to bed like I'm four years old yeah. every night. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of happy my hours are where they are. I get to kind of pick and choose a little bit here. So I'm sure it's giving you more of your life back. It, it has. And, uh, you know, I kind of committed myself right away after I retired uh, to write a book about it because I was originally a writer before I went into the broadcasting. And I assumed, Dan, that within a year, no one would remember who the heck I was. So I wanted the book out the same year I retired. I retired in February and the book's coming out in November. But that required me to write it like really quickly. But it came great, and I'm really looking forward to it. Now I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about the birds. They play their final exhibition game tonight. Yeah, Angelo, why are you more sold this time on Hertz after one year 
when you had the experience of going through Carson Wentz, when everybody was really sold that he was the franchise, what's the difference in your opinion between the two situations? It's a great question. And I am every bit as gung-ho about Hurts at this point in his career as I was about Wentz at that point. Well, Hurts, first of all, didn't have a, a knee injury that changed his game. Uh, Wentz was never the same after he tore the ACL. That's number one. But even more importantly is the mentality. Wentz was super sensitive. I don't think he ever really had the um, confidence that he tried to show us that he did. Hertz is, Hertz is next level, man. I love his mindset. I love the way he approaches it. I really believe him when he says the only thing that matters is winning. Um, if the Eagles were to bring on a, a, a second-round pick and he was to learn under Hertz, Hertz would not do what Wentz did and basically lose himself. And, you know, it wasn't as bad as it was the physical part of it with Wentz where they lost him in the 17th season. He didn't even feel great about the fact that his team won the Super Bowl. Yeah. He said it was mixed. He had mixed emotions. Hertz would be thrilled. Hertz is a winner. And, and I have full, full confidence that he's only going to get better because he is really a special player. And I'm thrilled that the Eagles ended up getting him. Wentz was the lost cause. Wentz didn't have Alabama behind him either, Dan. You know, Alabama is a grooming place, a great place to learn how to play in the NFL. Um, North Dakota? North Dakota <laughs> State? No, I don't think so. And I, No, I have a lot more confidence in that. I don't think the Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl, though because it's really hard to, to get back to that game, especially with the schedule they're looking at now. But they're going to have a fun season and an exciting season. Were you a fan of the pick when it was first initially picked in the second round? I, I went like this. I'm like, yeah. wow, so they, they drafted a seatbelt for Wentz? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I was like, I, I mean, right. I don't get it. I mean, were you a fan of it? I didn't hate it, all right, because uh, Wentz was brittle. Wentz was, yeah. you know, and I knew this guy. I, the last three years, Harry Roseman probably figured out he should be drafting from college powerhouses because those guys are being groomed better. He was doing a lot of weird stuff before that. Um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't really strong on either side of it. I understood they needed an insurance policy. What none of us could have predicted was that Hertz's presence would completely take Wentz out mentally that he was so weak mentally that he could not handle the presence of a guy with that kind of talent and that part we couldn't get but um i wasn't thrilled with it but i i understood why how he was doing it howie roseman is the architect of a terrific roster right now and nobody's going to argue that that's a very good roster I and still, he's really done a great job i think um right. angelo over the last couple of years here like you said Instead of going off into those TCU places and those North Dakota states, he's staying in the powerhouse yep. of the Southeastern Conference. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this here about the why they took Jalen Rager with kind of the baggage. I compare him to Jerome Brown, my former teammate. I compare mm -hmm. him to this guy here. I think he's got all the physical attributes that I think he could be a Jerome. But, Angelo, do you think that because they passed on Justin Jefferson because – 
there were the Odell Beckham money giving, the sideline stuff. There was character issues with Justin Jefferson at LSU that they passed on that for the safer Rager. And that's why they said that they're not going to pass on this opportunity in Jalen Carter because of the baggage. I mean, it just seems wow. they, they, they rolled the dice here. Dan, you're right that um, it was a wake-up call. What happened with Rager was a major wake-up call. They drafted Rager because their wide receiver coach at the Eagles then, Aaron Moorhead, was best friends with Monty Rager, uh, Jalen Rager's dad. That is a wow. stupid That is a stupid reason to draft. I didn't know that. Well, it also dovetailed with the fact that the owner of the team uh, said that he wanted a real speedy wide receiver, that he needed – he wanted a game breaker like they have at KC. And and he so he kind of set that template into motion and then how he went out, he had this connection. But you know what? It woke him up. They went, Wow, look at Rager. Um, they had been whiffing left and right with wide receiver picks. And um suddenly they went, Hey, here's an idea. Why don't we get players? who are being groomed for big games at powerhouse places. So now they're like recreating the Georgia defense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> every pick now is a Georgia. De- they got three of them now. And um, it's working a hell of a lot better than picking these weird guys who have some relative who's connected to the team there. They have a really good roster. This is as good a roster as they've had. This is as good a roster as they had any of the 33 years I was doing that show. This is their best team. But I'm I'm not I'm convinced of the coaches. I am not a huge fan of Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni did not understand that um, he, he had a horrible defensive coordinator in Jonathan Gannon. I don't mean a bad one. I mean a horrible one. I can't Ap- to the X degree. And Jonathan Gannon, you got to understand I have, a, I have a personal stake in this. I hated... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Gannon from day one. Because Philadelphia loves aggressive defenses. And Gannon set his up to play on their heels. They just let you have three quarters of the field every time down. 
and they got to the second half of the Super Bowl and they found a guy who knew how to take advantage and they had no answers. They, they scored two touchdowns on the exact same play call. Juju Smith-Schuster. Who? All right. All right. Dan, Dan, that is incompetence at an amazingly high level. The week before that, I still trash and Gannon to go into the NFC championship game. And the coach comes out and names me. And my my this is my final weeks. And he goes, I don't want to name names, but I will. Cataldi, I can't stand listening on our flagship station to him trashing my defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, Jonathan Gannon is a brilliant defensive mind and all this. Then they can't stop one freaking time in the Super Bowl. He was house hunting, Angelo. Danny, now Sirianni's supposed to come on. He's on the contract. He comes on after the last game. Part of the deal. I used to listen when he went on with you. Yeah. You didn't listen the last week because he didn't come on. Because he would have had to eat the crow and acknowledge that Gannon wasn't anything close to what he said he was. So now, honestly... I want the Eagles to do better. I like the new guy they got, Sean Desai. I, got, I like him a lot better yeah. as defensive coordinator than Gannon was. And I would like Gannon to lose every single game in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Here, we, let, let, me, let me just expand on what you said. I said this about Sirianni, too. And right. people on here give me a lot of shit for this. And, Angelo, I said yeah. this. I go, this guy, all he needs is a megaphone. He's not yeah. a coach. Yeah. This guy's a cheerleader. When he was a coach, he was two and five. He's got no say in the hiring of his assistants. Remember yeah. what he said at the Super Bowl, Angel? He goes, hey, when I got hired, I had to introduce myself to almost the entire coaching staff here. I didn't know. <laughs> that means how he picks them all. So to me, when I look at him, to me, Frank Wright came on the program, Angelo, two years ago. He's, he's a dear friend of mine. And he goes, he said, you want that Eagle job? You got to learn to get along and play in Howie Sandbox. True. Because that's what Doug couldn't do. So, obviously, you don't think Sirianni's an upgrade from uh, Doug Peterson. Oh, he's a downgrade. He's a downgrade for the reasons you just said and the fact that he's got the Philadelphia attitude. He is a hard worker. He is committed. You think that's sincere? I do think that part is sincere. Okay. But what isn't sincere is the fact that he doesn't communicate honestly with the fans. This is a problem. It really is. I mean, we've had this. This happens a lot. And over time, that, that you know, if you're making the Super Bowl, the fans are going to be fine with you. The first year or two you stumble where you're just given every single player these testimonials never taking any responsibility or blame or placing it on anyone philadelphia they want the truth doug peterson is the most in 33 years dan the most honest coach i ever spoke to on a weekly basis on the air was doug peterson he would admit his mistakes he would question things that they were working behind the scene he was honest probably to a fault but that's a rarity. Sirianni, I don't feel coaches that are as timid with the media as Sirianni is truly have the security it takes to be a coach of Philadelphia. And that's why, in my opinion, and I don't mean to be um, over step over my, my boundaries here, Angelo, because I know you worked with the Eagles all those years, but the way they control the market, and the way they control the media in that market, huh. they're not going to put anybody on that's going to contradict some of the things that you would say. Like, I mean, 
you know, I mean, some of the decisions that they've made when it comes to hires and fires and people that they've lost or decision making, they're going to kind of control that narrative. I mean, they they want positive conversation. Shit, I learn more from Peter King when he comes on the program than I do from the local guys because they yeah. don't tell the local guys anything. It's really true. And, and um, you know, it was an awkward situation for me because I was blasting away every day on the estate. But see, that's your, that's your inquirer background too. Cause well, you're, it is. you're, 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 you're a, you're a columnist, not an op-ed guy. And but you're I was grandfather, go- Danny, I, if I had come along now, yep. like Joe DeCam is my replacement. I couldn't say that stuff. I know. I don't even think if I had come along 10 or 15 years ago, I could have said you, that. You stuff. couldn't. Right? Odyssey would have your, they Odyssey would have you out right? of there because Again, I used to do the same thing, Angelo, when I was in with Tampa or San Diego with Odyssey. Yeah. And you start going like this. The only thing I know the Padres for is the guy who made the hamburgers. That's the only thing. And, and again, the flagship didn't really get like the idea that I'm barking like that. So let me let me slide you into this conversation here. Um, Jeffrey Laurie, the owner of the Eagles, in 30 years, this is the 30th anniversary of him owning the team. He's won one Super Bowl. Has he over or underachieved? Um, that's a great question. I, I should be back on air. I could get a whole show out of that one. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say um, slightly under in some ways. They have underachieved in that in 30 years, you should win more than one. All right. You should get there more than three. Um, but he's overachieved in community contribution and being a part of the neighborhood of making um doing a lot in the community uh, great stuff environmentally he's done a lot of really good things he he just the problem with jeffrey lurie is he's incredibly pompous really pompous and he only appears um i used to all year beg for to hear from the owner it's our most important team we want to hear from the owner and then he would hold a news conference. And the next day, I would beg him never to speak again because <laughs> that's so much annoying stuff. He was so insanely self-congratulatory, right? If he had, if you asked Jeff Lurie that question, he would say, oh, overachieved. It's more than just titles. We've been to nine championship games and all that. He'll have all these stats for you. But I'm only about the parade. And there was only one of those. But it was spectacular. It was the greatest season I've ever experienced as a fan or a broadcaster in 17. So I'm going to give him that. I don't dislike him, but it's really hard. I don't think I ever really liked any owner in any of the years that I was uh, in Philadelphia doing that show. I just <laughs> automatically, I don't even think I liked any of the coaches or man. Dan, I didn't like. Most people I didn't care for. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Why I'm no longer there. <laughs> hey, 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 Angelo, I, I have to ask you a couple last questions, but I want to go now with this. And please, you are to me. I mean, I'm so proud to have you on here, man. I hope you'll do this again. And I want to ask you about Josh Harris here. I mean, Angelo, why in the world does that market continue to cover a guy who consistently doesn't do the right thing by the fans and tells you the process is this, the process is that. I mean, you got a whiner now in James Harden. You had a head case in Ben Simmons. You let the one guy in the building who stood up to people and Jimmy Butler go. 
I mean, these guys right here, the, the, the Sixers are the Cowboys of the NBA. They're one and done. I mean, now he owns the Washington Commanders, and now he's asking for people in Philly to give him an arena downtown. I'm like this, Angelo, why in the world would I give you anything right now when you've delivered nothing? I, I, I mean, I don't get that. I don't get that organization and why they're giving that guy the hall pass. Now he owns the commanders. So what fan base are you loyal to guy? I mean, are you loyal to the soil or are you loyal to Josh Harris? By the way, if he was winning, if he was winning titles, Angelo with the Sixers, Hey, more power to you. That's great. Okay. But you delivered on gots yeah. nothing. Right. Yeah. I'm like, where are we going here? He, um, He's not an owner. He's a he's a brilliant businessman, hedge fund guy, who is a billion, 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 billionaire. I got God. He he spent six billion to get the um, the Washington franchise. Um, he doesn't care about winning. You understand? It's not about winning for him. It's hey, his uh, NBA championship will be if he gets that arena in Chinatown, because he's going to basically bust up the core of the four main sports being in the sports complex of one area, which is really unique. I love way. that area. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And he's going to try to stop that and put his arena in the middle of downtown. Do you want him to get it? No, I do not want him to get it. Um, but I wouldn't want him to get anything he wanted because he's greedy and he's, um, he's, he's selfish and he's about just about the money. And, um, that's why they're all sitting around congratulating. If all this is going on, they haven't even made it to the uh, NBA um, at, at conference championship yet. And they feel they've been incredibly successful because the franchise is worth so much more than it was than when he bought it. And um, they've been competitive enough so that they can sell all the advertising and all the jerseys and all the things that matter most to Josh Harris. And it, it was actually a good thing for the Eagles that the commanders that he's their owner because he'll be the same way there. Oh, I, I, I say the same thing all the time. I go, you're not going to have to worry about the commanders winning because yeah. they're going to look like the Sixers. Last question for you here. Angela, I, I, I look at this with Joel Embiid and I go, you know, in today's NBA, this is not like the Moses Malone NBA where the pivot man can lead you to an NBA championship. You really think, I mean, Jabbar couldn't lead mm-hmm. anybody to an NBA championship. Oscar Robertson and Magic Johnson led him. Would you be open to moving him to try to get more assets? Because, I mean, where are you actually? And plus, he's a baby, too. He scrubbed his social media. What a what a baby. I mean, grow he up. Is, Ed. He's immature. Uh, yeah, he, he lacks the mental toughness. You know, he, he campaigned for years to be the MVP. He finally got it this year. And then Jokic showed him what an MVP really is. You know, he doesn't have that mental toughness. And... um you know, we always thought when he was in his mid twenties, he'll develop it, he'll develop it, but he really hasn't. And he hasn't been surrounded with players who compliment him mentally because Harden's a basket case in his own way, you know, and he's had a big problem with that. I, I would be open, you know, to seeing that happen, but they're in such disarray right now at the Harden mess that the idea that they would then try to market and beat, I don't know. I, uh, Angela, Martin, go I, get Bob Myers. He just resigned mm. with the Golden State Warriors. Yep. What's Morey ever done? Go get Bob Myers. Know. He built the title team in, at Golden mm. State. 
I'm with you. I the, he, he had a fixation on Harden, and then at first opportunity, Harden bailed on him so fast and made it public. He made a international crisis out of it when he went to Japan to say <laughs> that Maury was a liar. I mean, that's that's cold. <laughs> that's, that may have been the one day I wished I was back on the air. I would have had to fun with that. Oh, that that would that would have been a three hour that would have been a three hour gem. I got I got to sneak this last one in here on you. All the years you worked, and by the way, I got to tell you real quick. When I was a young kid going down to Wildwood, and I'd listen to you and Tony Bruno and Al when you guys were first starting that show out in the morning, it was one of the absolute funniest unbelievably heated it was like you guys are sitting around a bar tony bruno still takes credit though for the wing bowl and i i, I just texted him no, i said this to him i go wait a minute i got angelo on i want the skinny on the on, on the wing right. bowl because i've been to a few of them things well let me just say that i covered all of this in my new book loud which will be out on black friday right after thanksgiving and tony bruno had no major role in the creation of Wing Bowl. The thing <laughs> he did, he lied. Wing Bowl was a big chicken wing eating contest we held every year in the arena, and we got 20,000 people to come out at 6 in the morning to watch these big fat guys eat chicken wings. And <laughs> there's more to the story, but uh, no. The, the idea was, was conceived by Mr. Al Morganti, it was executed by all of us, but Al said, Al was in the hockey room. He was going to Buffalo all the time, and he loved the wings at the Anchor Bar. And he went, why don't we, uh, Buffalo's in the Super Bowl every year. They don't win it, but they're in it. Why don't we have a chicken wing? We'll, we'll get the wings from Anchor Bar. Well, we realized that was logistically impossible. So he ended up just getting a guy next door to heat up a batch of wings that's what we did uh we had no idea it would become the biggest annual radio promotion in the medium's history um but um tony tony look tony was great a lot of people think the heyday of our show was the three years tony was with us and i'm not going to argue that it was hilarious he's an incredible talent but uh, he did not have any major role in the development of wing bowl he is now riding the coattails of Wingle. We will <laughs> not let favorite, that happen. Who was your favorite athlete you covered in Philly? Wow. Well, um, wow. I, my favorite athlete of all time was Will Chamberlain. And I did get to um, interview him once when I was working with Tom Brookshire very early on. And that Tom was, owned WIP at the beginning before CBS bought it, correct? Yes, it was. And it was spellbinding. I just was, uh, I was like a, a, a little kid just i couldn't believe that my seven feet tall amazing i got to meet um muhammad ali and interview him and i was overwhelmed by him and um that there were uh, uh, <laughs> you know what i'm hedging about the current ones because yeah, yeah, no no I, I'm, 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 I'm also waiting for an eagle dan we 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 booed we booed donovan mcnapp so I can't pick him. We booed him <laughs> at the draft, right? Um, baseball players. I hated Jason Worth. I, I, if I had to say, I would say Nick Foles because Nick Foles won us the, the Holy Grail. He won us a championship. You think that's the greatest Disney. moment in Philly sports yeah, history? It is the greatest moment. That that <laughs> It's the greatest three-plus hours in the history of Philadelphia sports. And that man right there, who otherwise has had a journeyman's career, 
has a statue out in front of the link because he won us a championship as a backup quarterback. And he did Angelo, it. my favorite moment in that game was this when he comes over to Doug and I, I know Doug very well and right. I know Nick and I go and I right. and he goes like this. And he's got the papers like this. Here and he's yep. talking to Frank. All of a sudden he goes, Philly Philly. All yep. right, let's run it. And you're like, that's a goat move. That's a goat move a right move. here. And, and, and it's a move that never would have happened if Carson Wentz was still the quarterback because he didn't have the cojones to do it. He wouldn't have done it. Do you, th do you think if they had Doug Peterson in that Super Bowl in February as the head coach, they'd have beat Andy Reid? Hell yes. And, and um, without a doubt in my mind, they would have. And if, the, if, the, if Carson Wentz did not get hurt in 2017 as he was on his way to the MVP, they would not have won the Super Bowl. They would not have won the Super Bowl. They won it because they found a quarterback who knew how to face the biggest moments with mental toughness. And that's why it was a spectacular victory for the for the Philadelphia sports fan base. The greatest. Well, Angelo, ever. this has been an honor, man. I mean, I please, I hope you'll do this again. I mean, you're uh, absolutely you're you're one of my favorite people yeah. in the business. I I'm you and Tony and a couple of the other guys, I really don't like Howard Eskin that much, but he's he's okay. I mean, Howard and I are friends, but I don't know. I mean, but you, man, you, you've absolutely been somebody that I've patterned or tried to pattern my career after. And you know what's, what's funny is that you and I have the same approach. Angelo, I'm on the Tampa flagship station for 15 years, and somebody comes to me and they go, how come you don't get any bucks on? I go, well, they're not going to put any bucks on. I had 10 shares in the morning, and I'm doing this. The general manager belongs in a CPA firm and he's a bookworm and the rest of those guys. And so the Buccaneers are going, get this guy off. We can't. He's got 10 shares. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, Dad, anytime you invite me, especially during this period where I'm whoring my book, I will be happy to come on to get exposure for the book because I really like the way it came. And I think the people all over the country will enjoy it because it takes you inside the mindset of the Philadelphia sports fan. And there's no fan like the Philadelphia sports. Fan. No way, man. It's been the funnest time in my life. I've never realized this, Angelo, that I fit in a place where everyone calls me an a-hole and I, and they go, Sills, you belong at South Philly. Yes, you, you do. You got the face of South Philly on you. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't been in our city as a main guy. You're perfect for Philadelphia, Dan. Perfect. That's such a compliment. My God almighty. I can't wait for the book to come out. I can't wait for the start of the season. Angelo, it's such an honor to have you on. Thank you so much, my friend. My friend, anytime, Dan. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. You bet. That's Angelo Cataldi, the great legendary WIP morning man. And we appreciate him coming aboard. Speaking of wings. Big Sills is perfect for Philly. Really? <laughs> From the goat himself? Wait a minute. Let me let me let me sink that in, Tone, before I uh, I can't believe you haven't been in Philly. You're perfect for it. Huh. Where am I? Oh yes. Hooters. <laughs> Hooters. <laughs> I've ate, by the way. There's only one guy that I would push tone for. It's Angelo Cataldi. He's going to be on at 530 with us as we look forward to tonight's game.
How you doing? So, hey, wait a minute. Tone goes, Angelo, let me talk to my people, Sills. Okay, I'm good because it's only Angelo here. <laughs> okay. Hey, don't forget, northeasthooters.com. Find one of the seven locations nearest you for you to be able to have yourself one whale of a time. We so appreciate the fact that we're celebrating their 40th anniversary with the National Football Show. We thank you. The iconic Hooter girls are going to be there to serve you, especially if you have your fantasy draft parties right there at one of the Northeast Hooters. Go to northeasthooters.com, I said, to find one of the seven locations for you to enjoy yourself. And by the way, we're going to be at the King of Prussia one. We'll see if we can get Angelo up there with us too, man. Try to get his rear end up there to have some. Really fun time. Don't forget Tuesdays. You buy 10 wings, you get 10 boneless wings free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983 all-you-can-eat. Kids eat it on free on Saturdays. Six bucks, six items. Fried pickles, all of that. You're absolutely going to fall in love with it. All you have to do is go to northeasthooters.com to find the location nearest you. And don't forget, we're also going to be at the King of Prussia doing tailgates, all kinds of parties. We're going to be taking a bus, I heard, up to New York, two Eagle fans up to New York to go there for, I think, the final game of the year. We're working on so many cool things. Go to northeasthooters.com, and when you go to Hooters, do me a favor. You tell them Big Sill sent you. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods score and save at southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds and if you join our winter watch team we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all keep your tiles on your pool not in your pool fly with Colony right now birds fans visit flywithcolony.com
Eagles. But wait a minute. Angelo used to go on the radio and tell people he hated Nick Sirianni. Hey, hey, Tone. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I was just feeling like I was talking to myself in a way. I, I don't know. I mean, I, no starters tonight, my friend. Probably not. Maybe a couple of the rotation guys. Okay. Okay. I, you know. I liked Angelo better when he worked for the Inquirer. I like Eddie Munster, Al Morcani. The brain's behind it. <laughs> Lowest moment in Philly sports when AC engineered the embarrassment and the NFL draft. I hated Gannon, not Sirianni. Hey, <laughs> Joshua, may, hey, Joshua, maybe there's more to it than what meets the eye with your take there. Dan, Big Sills, Angelo hated everyone. (laughs) You see, that's more of an Italian thing, homie. That's more of an Italian thing. Because whoever hollers the loudest, again, you got to remember something about when you're an Italian. It's not about the facts. It's who hollers the loudest. You're wrong. No, I'm not. (laughs) You can't argue. Hey. Anytime, this is an Italian argument trick for you, just some of you out there, just in case you're trying to keep score. Just remember this. When somebody's in an argument with you and you say this, hey, you're wrong. No, I'm not. When you hear no, I'm not, it's time to end the argument. (laughs) Because there's nothing you can do or say that's going to turn that thing around. That's not going to happen. Okay? That's not going to work. So anytime you hear, no, I'm not. All right? What's with all this hating on Italians? What do you mean hating on Italians? What are you, crazy? Hating on Italians. Oh, Sirianni. Sirianni must be a northern Italian. I should have asked, asked Angelo. He's more like kind of a French guy probably. <laughs> yeah. He's probably Calabrese. You know, what do you what do you want? Calabrese Nobly Don, he's probably one of them guys. It's all good. Don't worry. It's got it. It's everyone. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Everyone keeps it. Everyone, hey, we're almost paisans. Like, <laughs> hey, he thinks Nick Sariani is not straight with you. He's not. That's why we drafted Nicobe Dean. Come on, guy. He's had a horrible camp. That guy has not had a good camp. He's had no camp. A good camp. <laughs> Based on what? Georgia. <laughs> I dislike Angelo more than I dislike you, at least. You know. (laughs) So, wait a minute. 
Casby is looking at me and Angelo like they look at the current race for president. I can't stand Biden, and I hate Trump. So I'm going to take the lesser of the two. <laughs> hey, and I'm going hey, I'm, I'm to go with the lesser of the two. I can't stand both these old guys. I don't want a president that's got to put his teeth in. Okay? Any guy that's got to put his teeth in, there's a problem. Nicobe Dean, 120 tackles. That's a downgrade. Dude, that's a downgrade. Okay? Trey Lance is now the third team guy. Hey, Niner. Phew. Guess what the 40... So the 49ers today... By the way, I got to tell you guys something that happened while... So today's been a pretty good day, Tone. Okay? I just had a CEO of SportsGrid text me, which is really great. I don't know how much I can get into it. Big Joe will probably kill me, so I'm not going to say anything. But uh, it's, no, it's a relationship with all of us. We're with me. They're trying me out. So let me just, the, the show, or me, I don't know. I haven't really read it. I just got this text from a guy who said, I'm going to give you a shot at the title. <laughs> He's a pi. He's a wait. He's a paisan too. He's a paisan. Man, all these Italian guys are coming out of the woodworks for me. It's good. It's good to have Italians. We're gonna reset. We're gonna look at again some of the things we're gonna be looking at tonight. My boy Tone's gonna join me at five thirty. Thank you for doing that, Tone, and sliding over to the five thirty slot for us. Um, we had Angelo on with us at four thirty. I'm sure we're gonna post in that interview a little bit later on. We're putting up. Some, and I know James is putting up some sound bites over on the Twitter page. It's so great to hear his voice again on the air. And we will be uh, reaching out to him numerous times during the month in each and every single month as the football season starts. All good. Thank you guys so much. Please hit the like button. Power hours coming up. Hour number three. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first. 
and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Hour three, big sales. By the way, uh, no, we're not getting a new gig. We're getting another one on top of this or being asked to be a contributor on a particular network that's involved with us. Jacob's growing. That's what this is. We're growing with it. Okay. Going anywhere, man. I don't do that kind of stuff like other people because I'm not that smart. I'm where my feet are. I don't look down the road for 18 different things. I'm not that smart. I I, I mean, like I told you, man, I'm like the I'm like the scene in Batman. I'm like the Joker going, do I look like a guy with a plan? Do I, I mean, do I look like a guy with a plan? I'm the guy that chases the ambulance. Plan. What, what plan? Seals don't have a plan. Real quick, I'm going to reset here a little bit on what we're going to look at tonight. Then I'm going to get my boy Tone on at 5.30 Eastern, and we'll talk with him. We'll kind of recap a little also a little bit what Angelo said in hour number two. Um, Real quick, would you be apt to more pay – Shohei Otani, 600 grand if he can never pitch again? Probably not. That's the novelty of it. He's 10 and 5, hits 44 home runs. I'm paying $600 million for that. If he's Aaron Judge, which is okay, I'm paying 350. The novelty of Otani is that Otani is Babe Ruth at the same time. He's a pitcher and a hitter and a home run hitter and a power hitter. And he's a power pitcher. This UCL injury now that he has, I mean, Tommy John is coming. They're shutting him down. He'll probably not pitch next year either. Is the novelty there for me to back up an organization like the Mets or the Phillies and go like this? Well, let me spend $600 million. I'm not going to put that number out there if I don't know if he's going to be able to pitch in two years. Okay. I mean, maybe you, you come somewhere in $400 million, I don't know. But I wonder if people are going to back up the Brinks truck like they would have before, you know, he ends up getting hurt. Bear from Philly. Sills, you get the truth from guys like you. Seth, Ray, 
Dininger, love Barrett, but he's getting paid to be a cheerleader. Hey, Bear, to be fair to my friend Barrett and to Seth and to Ray, it's hard when your bosses are constantly banging you in the face telling you the only reason Angelo got away with it is because Angelo, like Tone said, owned the market. And he was doing eight shares. Hard to fire eight shares. Don't you think that if they knew, like if that 97.5 had beaten him in any way in morning drive, they'd have fired him 10 years ago because of the shit he was saying on the air. And he knows it now. He can't, he can't be Angelo Cataldi any longer. He didn't, Angelo Cataldi's not on WIP right now because he's old. Angelo Cataldi's on the air because he can't be Angelo. You understand that, right? He, he can't be Angelo. I could never go back to radio. Okay. I, I, I couldn't. I want to because that's where I cut my teeth. I was there 27 years. I could never go back. Not sure they want me back. And I now even more so convinced I could never do my show like I do here with you guys. You couldn't put this show on WIP. Angelo gave me the best endorsement I've ever had in my career. I don't know why you're not in Philly. He's like, why are you not in Philly? I can't believe you're not. That's the greatest compliment I've ever had from someone like him. You, you can't get any more of the Pope or being, I mean, that's, that's great. For me, that, uh, that's worth a billion dollars. And I don't really like pats on the back because they're not worth anything. Okay? Yeah, I was a vampire for 25 years. Let's see, 15 years in um, Morning Drive in Tampa. You know, it's funny. Everyone goes, Silio's been fired 400 times. Well, in 27 years, I've had four jobs. Is that a lot in broadcasting? Thank you, Trey. Scott goes, get over yourself. Totally true. You're right, Scott. I'm blowing you kisses. Fair enough. <laughs> R.I.P. Terry Funk. Dude, you're a goat. Terry Funk, you're a goat. You're one of the greatest workers of all time. Rest in peace, brother. You were one of the truly greatest wrestlers that's ever lived. Heck of an actor. Heck of a guy. Worked with everybody. What an absolutely great wrestler he was. Fun to watch. Just an absolute goat, dude. Okay? Twist goes, how are the Tampa fans? Um... I had 10 shares. Somebody was listening. <laughs> I left there with 10 shares. So I don't know. What else have I got written down here? Hey. Before we get tone on it, 530 Eastern. Is AJ Brown. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can the Eagles have arguably the best duo at wide receivers 
and not one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Do I think the Eagles have the best duo in the league? Are they better than T. Higgins and Jamar Chase? Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Metcalf, the other guy in Seattle. Where else? Baltimore? Sills, you should live stream while watching the Eagle game. Dan with the master plan to write off Anthony Richardson. No, Forrest, I haven't written him off. I never wrote him on anywhere. So wait a minute now. Let's do that. Washington, Dotson, and um, Terry McLaurin. Are they better than Philly? Are they better than Philly? So how can you have the best pass-catching duo and not consider the quarterback? Why is Jalen not getting that love? Let me say this to you. If Josh Allen were the quarterback, would Josh Allen not be called the best quarterback in the NFL? Well, in, besides the guy. See, are you are, – are they – is having – here's the question. Is having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith hurting Hertz's reputation when it comes to being compared to the other guys? Because they changed the, they changed the narrative of the question. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Well, Joe Burrow. Well, he said Matt T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Pretty good. And Mixon in the backfield. It's a pretty good group. Underrated Zach Taylor as a play-calling head coach, too? Yeah, but Mahomes has no one. Oh, so which? I, I'm, I'm confused. Burrow's got weapons. Mahomes doesn't. Jalen does. No one looks at Jalen, though, like Burrow in Mahomes. Why? What's the difference? What's the difference between those three? Hey, I think it's a great question. What's the difference between Mahomes? Here's the guys who would have been to the last Super Bowls: Mahomes, Burrow, and Jalen. The other guy who went to the Super Bowl is retired now. Spike, race. Spike, I hope that's not true. Is there still a negative connotation on running quarterbacks? That when you say he's a very athletic quarterback, it's black. Man, I hope we're not there. Look, it's Spike, the reason why I don't believe that that is true, if you had racism, you're not going to make Jalen Hurts the highest paid guy in the league. And for a brief moment, he was. Spike, so you think it's racist that they they paid the highest paid guy in the league? I'm with you, Justin. I don't believe it's that. 
Now, if they came in and gave Jalen Hurts $32 million or $28 million, then, then we got a problem there with that. But they paid him $50 million. And for a brief couple weeks, he was the highest paid athlete in the sport. I don't believe race has anything to do with that. I think the negative is how he plays. Okay? I think it's the negative on how. Yeah, but it's a Daniel Jones is called athletic. Why don't we look, but why don't we look at Jalen like Burrow and Mahomes? If you ask me, I think Devontae's better than Higgins. I do too. Higgins has been in the league a year longer, but check his numbers. Higgins rookie year, 67 catches, 908. Kind of around the same kind of stuff that Smith had. 64, 916. Higgins second year, 74,091. Huh. They're kind of in the same room. And, and, and well, Devontae's a two in that offense with one talent. And here's the deal. Do I think that T. Higgins could go to a place and be a one? Do I think Devontae could go to a place and be a one? All depends who the quarterback is. You're, Devontae Smith and T. Higgins are not going to Tennessee and they're not going to be ones in Tennessee and maybe not in Chicago, places like that. You got to go to a place where somebody slings it. So, I mean, it's pretty comparable though. And, and, and if you think about it, Boy, I, I think people look down on Jalen Hurts because he's just not a 4,000-yard passing quarterback. Okay? Yeah, Spike. How about this, Spike? I'll give this to you. 12 years ago, I think race is a, is a conversation point. Okay? Today, I don't because of the money that's being thrown around. Okay. Which is, I mean, but also because he's a second round pick and was benched for Tua. So this all goes back to my conversation about Saban being the guy that really was the guy that put the negative scarlet letter on Jalen Hurts' career. Can you imagine that? Think of that. Nick Saban put that scarlet letter on Hurts. It's Hurts. Hertz is, and and you know what makes Hertz even cooler, Tone. You, we're gonna get Tone on here in a little bit. You know, you know, you know what makes Hertz even better? He forgives him, not me, dude. You hey, I I just got my ACC championship ring back, and I got it in there. I don't forgive Denny Murphy, my D line coach. I don't forgive a lot of them coaches and administrators at Maryland. I'll never. No way. I didn't want to leave. I'm proud that I'm a hurricane. All worked out for the best. And it did. Proud to have been involved in that whole thing. But I never would have left. That was That's not how I was built. My grandpa didn't build me. My aunt didn't build me that way. That wasn't going to happen. 
Okay. I had to get thrown out of places. I'm not built like that. I'm married 33 years for a reason, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't surrender. I don't believe in surrendering. I, I, I think any, I don't like to surrender. Okay. DC goes, it's Philly. Hurts eh. would have way better numbers if the coaches didn't sit him and blow out wins. Yeah, but Scott, the problem with the Eagles was they couldn't close teams out because they didn't have red zone running offense unless it was Hurts. That's the problem they're going to have this year, closing games out again. You don't have a short yardage offense outside of the fourth and one. Who's going to pick up the mail? Who are you going to hand the ball to? Say here, say you're up this year, 27-14, okay? There's 11 minutes left in the game. Who are you handing the ball to? To run the clock out. How do you run the clock out? You're going to run the ball with Hurts? You're going to have to. Or you're going to throw it. Can't throw it with 11 minutes left in a lead like that. Why? You get any kind of three and outs? This is what happened to you in the Super Bowl. You couldn't run the clock out. What happened? Here's the, In my opinion, here is the kryptonite. Here's the kryptonite of the Eagle offense. You can't finish games off. You can't finish teams off. You got a lead. You allow everybody to come back in if they got any kind of talented offense. You allow everyone to come back on you. Because if you get two or three three and outs, you stop the clock if you throw it, right? You play into the hands of the other team getting possessions when you do that shit. Who are you going to turn and give the ball to with 11 minutes left in the game going on a 14-play drive if it's not Hurts. Who, who? Okay. Is this a great offensive line or not? They don't need Walter Payton. Well, then why couldn't he close games out? I'm not making this up. This was part of that problem with the offense and closing people out last year. You couldn't finish dudes off. Hurts had to carry the ball 17 times. If Jalen Hurts is being asked to run the ball, you still got an issue in closing games out. That's why that guy, until you figure, you need LeGarrette Blount. You need a guy you can give the ball to in the game. That's going to be a dependable guy that's going to get you four and a half yards or four yards of carry. The Chip Kelly effect, some people we had, same problem we had with him. Yeah, the difference here is yeah, you got talented people everywhere in the offense. You still can't finish games out here. It's still a problem. All right, let's bring my guy Tone in here. Oh, would you would you agree that if you're gonna if you're here, I'll walk back with some of the things that we said earlier um, when it comes to questions. Let me throw this at you. Um, okay. 
Would you agree that that potential problem still exists late in ball games, closing teams out? Say you got a 24, 14 point lead with 11 minutes left. Right. If you're not relying on Hertz to carry the ball, do you have enough in the backfield to be able to run that clock out? Because as soon as you start throwing it and you get a three and out, that stops the clock and you give possessions to the other side of the field there and you bring teams back into the game. Do you think that still exists with a potential with this team this year? You know, it's definitely going to be, it's going to remain to be seen because uh, there were moments last season that this team allowed certain teams that shouldn't have really been in the same room as them. They allowed them to get back in it. Uh, one game that comes to mind, uh, that Green Bay game, uh, the Eagles had a stranglehold on that game and they actually knocked Aaron Rodgers out of it. So they should have ran away with that game of flying colors. Yet they allowed Jordan Love to come in and still sling the rocket through. I think he threw maybe a touchdown or two and they kept that game close and they ended up winning uh, 40 to 33. Um, overall, I think when it comes to closing out games this year, I actually don't think it's going to be on the offense. I think it's going to be on the defense. That, mm. that, 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 that's where my, where my concerns really lie. What are you looking for tonight? I mean, you're probably not going to see a lot of telegraphing because right. New England will probably look at this game plan tonight. And anyway, you don't look at really scores or any, I, I don't particularly look at scores and I'm not looking for that. I'm kind of looking for possessions and such. But for mm-hmm. you, what do you want to see tonight? What are you looking for? What is going to be a couple position areas? I'm going to be paying very close attention to who's not on the field uh, because that's going to tell me how they see these guys, right? If I see Rashad Penny or Trey Sermon on the field for more than a quarter or two, if I, if I see, for example, there was a game where we saw Kevon Wallace out there for the entire game. That tells me that – they don't really they don't really think too highly of him because the Eagles look at it like this. If we see you as a guy that's going to carry over to the to the 53-man roster, we want to preserve you as much as possible. We don't want to we don't want to put you in a position to potentially get hurt. Uh they took Terrell Emmons off that field at times. They took uh, Sidney Brown off that field. Uh Reed, Reed Blankenship hasn't played a preseason snap at all. So I'm going to be paying playing paying close attention to the guys that's not on the field and also the two positions, in my opinion that deserve a lot of attention. I mentioned already the safeties, but also the running backs as well. Um, I'm curious to see how this running back room shakes out. We know Swift is going to make it. We know Kenny Gainwell is going to make it. I want to believe Boston Scott is going to make it because he's one of those vested guys that you you know, you know that you keep on the roster. He's multidimensional. You can do a few different things with him. Um, but other than that, uh, there's no guarantee Penny is going to make this roster, and there's no guarantee Trey Sermon is going to make it. But if I had to roll the dice – I would probably say they keep Trey Sermon because they play the position similarly, but Trey Sermon has less miles uh, on the body. And then with the safety position, um, obviously, Reed Blank- they're going balls to the wall with Reed Blankenship. Uh, they believe in him. Uh, that's what I'm seeing. Um, but when it comes to that, uh, that other safety uh, position, if I had to really choose the guys that make it, I think it's going to be Sidney Brown, Terrell Edmonds, and, and, and Justin Evans. I don't think Kevon Wallace makes this roster. If I'm them, I'm locking in with Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown. I'm, I'm I'm throwing everything in the kitchen sink at those guys because the, the schedule only gets harder. This if, if you're going to get a guy used to what's going on, put him put him out there right now against Bill Belichick and against the Rams, you know, against against those teams that don't really aren't really on your level. So I I, I think it's best to really get those guys out there as early as, early as possible. This is how I'm reading Jalen Hurts' training camp in his offseason. Yeah. 
And I said it earlier, Tone. I, I'm like, you know, you, you really don't get a good sense of what a quarterback is doing in training camp because he's got the orange vest on and you're not going to hit him. You're not going to put him on his back and such. However, when I keep hearing people say, hey, man, Swift is getting implemented into the game. You're getting a small screen game going. Um, also, you're hearing this, man, Devontae and A.J. Brown just look so much better. Well, the quarterback's got to get the ball there. And to me, what I heard that they're working on is blitz pickup and recognizing a blitz and blitzing him. Because last year, I thought they got him on the ground a few times in critical situations. Not enough to cost him anything critical in games, but there were times where they would get him. And the Super Bowl, there was a time that that ended up happening. I think he's, I think probably the, the he's seeing the game more is where I'm probably going. Right. And you're hearing that the wideouts look better. To me, that's a reflection of him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. You talk about it all the time. Uh, even though Hertz doesn't get the credit he deserves as a passer, well, the reality is Devontae Smith had a career year. A.J. Brown had a career year. Uh, he also brings so much to the running game with a guy like Miles Sanders, who had a career year as well. All that stuff doesn't just happen by accident. You know, a lot of people like to say, well, um, if if you put this person there or put this person here, you know, will you know, will, you know, would Jalen Hurts be who he is? Well, the reality is, if you're going to develop a guy, a guy who maybe doesn't have the raw natural ability like a Herbert or uh, a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes, guys like that. If you don't, if you don't see that cannon of an arm, or or he or he doesn't have those raw natural abilities that people love to rave about, then you're going to have to do a little more to make sure he gets where he needs to go. You're going to have to do a little bit more to make sure uh, he develops the way you want him to, because it's hard to develop a guy in a situation where there's absolutely nothing around him. You know, there's I can't think of a quarterback that developed without having anybody competent around him. Uh, Jalen Hurts. He was throwing the ball to Jalen Rager. He was throwing the ball uh, to Quez Watkins, who's not even a number two, in my humble opinion. Um, barely a number three sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then his the first year you actually give him a quality situation. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Goddard came into, you know, began to come into his own. You saw Jalen Hurts really maximize that situation. But again, I'm not just going to put it on the guys that are around him. Jalen Hurts is a guy who has put in the work in the offseason. And it kind of upsets me when I see people kind of, you know, try to just limit it to the pieces that are around him because that kind of diminishes the work he's put in throughout the offseason. It, 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 it diminishes who he is, who, who he is, in, you know, in essence. And Jalen Hurts is a guy who continues to put in the work and he continues to defy the odds time and time again. So me personally, I can't see myself saying, well, I only see him being this good or that good because he's surpassed my expectations once before. So who's to say he can't do it again? What would be um, more of an expectation to you, more passing? I mean, is it a numbers thing or is it a player thing that's around him? Because here, let me give you an example of this. Just because you have Kevin Durant and you have James Harden and you have Kyrie Irving and you put them on the same team. Exactly. That, that resulted in shit. I'm you so glad have, you said that. I'm so glad you, you can said have that. all the greatest talented people around you all you want. By the way, you know, everyone says that Jordan played with all those guys. Well, let me ask you this. All those starters that he had, and I know, I know, um, Rodman already had three, uh, two rings from Detroit. But when those guys all left, like Pippen and all them other guys, and went somewhere else, I mean, what did they do? Scotty Pippen didn't do shit when he left. I mean, there's no, certain right. guys that make guys better around them, and to me, that to me is it. And you know, you and I have talked about this. 
okay, so Hertz is not a 4,000 passing. Yeah, but the back had a career year. The tight end's now considered a elite dude. The two wideouts had career years. The old line had career years. Jalen didn't. Well, he did. He did from the year previous. But you right. know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, Tone, I think it's more important on being a facilitator like Steph Curry and striking when the when you need it than sitting there putting up. I, I mean, I'd rather be Steph Curry than James Harden, put up 45 versus putting up 32 every day, but winning titles. That, to me, I mean, I, I, I think he gets penalized for the team he's on. Yeah, like the reality is Philadelphia doesn't really get a, sh- a fair shake in any in any mainstream conversation. That's just the reality. I thought but, that was bullshit for the longest time, but now having seen it, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it, it's an unfortunate reality, but, you know, it's a part of the game. And uh, it's something that we learn to live with, right? You know, being born and raised in Philly, you understand that nobody really wants to see you be great. No one wants to see you win. Everyone thinks lowly of you or, or, don't, or they don't really have the highest expectation of you. You see how they talk about our city. They keep bringing up Santa Claus. They have it in the yeah, city. Yeah, but Tony, you don't creative. have a chip on your shoulder. You got, you got a, you, you got a lumber yard. <laughs> you, 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 know, um, you know, bringing it back to Hertz, he, again, a guy who has, who has a lumber yard on him. And, you know, he, he's a guy that no matter what you think he's going to do, He's going to surpass it. Like you asked me a question, what's an expectation for him, right? Is it numbers? Is it, you know, you know, things like that? No, for me, I'm not of the mindset of, yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to throw 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, 700 rushing yards, eight eight rushing touchdowns. That I don't, I, I don't look at the game that way. I look at the quarterback position like this: Do you execute the offense at the highest level? Do you take advantage of the opportunities you're given? Do you get the ball from point A to point B without putting it in harm's way? Are you making guys better, right? Your numbers, in my opinion, I could care less about that. That's that's for fantasy football talk. That's for the betters. But when it comes to me, I like to really watch the game um, from an objective point of view, and I really like to watch it from the point of view of are you winning or are you losing? If you're winning, what did you do to get to that win? I'm going to be honest with you, um, Big Sills. I don't really care what Jalen Hurts' numbers look like. Is he winning? Or is he losing? Is he executing the offense at the highest level possible? Or is he a detriment to the offense? Is he putting guys in position? Or is he becoming a liability? That's what I care about. I don't care about the numbers. People, I I, I, leave, I leave that to fans that care about fantasy football or, or who want to win debates with their friends. I don't care about winning debates. I care about winning football games. And as far as the expectation, he's showed me what the expectation was. The expectation is to win the Super Bowl. So if Jalen Hurts don't care about his numbers, why the hell should I care about his numbers? Jalen Hurts cares about one thing, and that's winning Super Bowls. That's all I care about. You ask Angelo a question. Did Jeffrey Lurie underachieve uh, one Super Bowl in 30, year, uh, 30 years? He said slightly he underachieved, and he broke it down. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with Angelo, right? I think Angelo's trying to be a little nice, but the reality is – He was? <laughs> 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 I love Angelo, man. As a matter of fact, super grateful that I'm super grateful that I'm even on this slate with you and uh, Angelo. That was that's exciting in and of itself. But this team has underachieved. One Super Bowl, thirty years. Come on, now we deserve more than that. I've seen I've seen too many talented teams come through the city and not enough confetti fall down. So I'll put it to you this way: I think Jalen Hurts has the mentality, like Angelo said. Doug Peterson had the mentality to win that game. Nick Foles had the mentality to win that game. We didn't win that Super Bowl because we had the quarterback that had the mentality, but Nick Sirianni, he failed when it mattered most. He deviated from who he was all season. And so was, you think you, – you agree with Angelo then? On, I'm a Doug guy. I'm a Doug guy. 
I'm a Doug guy. There's no, there's so no you subscribe to what he said that if Doug was the head coach of that game, that the Eagles win that Super Bowl. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that because think about the way Doug handled the Super Bowl uh, in 2018, Super Bowl 52. He knew, he understood the assignment. And that's the least you can do when it comes to going into a game like that. You got to understand the assignment. You got to understand who you're going up against. He was going up against one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, going up against the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I don't have time to be patient. I don't have time to be passive. I have to leave it all out there. I got to hit them with the kitchen sink. I got to hit them with the furniture. I got to hit them with the monkey wrench. I got to hit them with the house. I am not wasting time here because I don't know when I'm going to get back. That's why you saw plays like Philly Philly. But no, Nick Sirianni got passive. Fourth down, he got a little shaky. Jonathan Gannon got shaky. You know what I'm saying? So, so when I look at it from that perspective, I, 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 I like my coach that understands the assignment. And there was a and in that second half of that game, Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, they got tight and you saw it. The only person that understood the assignment was Jalen Hurts. How about this? What what Angelo said too about Gannon? He he just again, and you know, when you have Jim Johnson and you have an aggressive Jim Swartz and you have guys like that, Buddy Ryan, that have been staple defensive-minded guys that have been in Philly with the Eagles, and then you have a guy like that that was passive aggressive. And then you hear stories of him not being completely vested. You know, Hey, we're, we're getting John McMullen on tomorrow. And I love John, but I'm, I disagree with him. I do not believe that Jonathan Gannon was hundred percent vested when he knew he was going to get the Arizona job and he and his wife were out house hunting. And it just so happened that the Super Bowl was in Arizona. I think that may have even been more of a problem Recipe for than the turf that the game was there where he was going to get the job. I mean, do you agree with that whole assessment that he had that he was bad for the whole the, – the, the players won in spite of him? You know, I, I'll put it to you this way. Well, first and foremost, I do believe he was distracted. I, that's just my opinion. You know, I, you know I, don't, I, I don't cover the team closely, you know, like most reporters do. You know, I don't have, you know, I don't have access to Novacare. You know, I, I don't have access to none of that. But me personally, knowing what I know and how everything played out, I personally believe he was distracted. Why? Because, like you said, the Super Bowl was in Arizona. On top of that, I know what it's like to look at your own plate. I know what it's like to look at someone else's plate without focusing on your own. I've been there before. And that second half, he was fo- he was too focused on not making a mistake. He was too focused. He, he, he They got tight in that second half. And the way things played out in the draft and, you know, the way it came out, I'm telling you, there's more to this story than what we all know. And I, I'm just of the mindset that he was distracted. You know, I, I find it hard. I find it hard to believe uh, that he wasn't. Two last questions for you. Sure. Are you. Um, am I too concerned about N'Kobe Dean? That's a good question. That's that's a really interesting question because I'm concerned about the COVID. So, I mean, like, how can you not be concerned? You know, like, but I, Tom, I, the one thing I want to before you go, I, yeah. I, I want to clear, though, I'm not really talking about his talent. I And, and people think that I'm dogging. I don't, I don't think you are either. I, I'm not. I don't know. And neither do they. So <laughs> they wonder. OK, I put it to you this way. People want to pretend. And because, again, after, you know. Creating, you know, creating content and being on YouTube for a while and just learning the game and all that kind of stuff. And you, you start, you start to realize that you gotta, you gotta take your eagle colored glasses off and really just look at the situation as, as it stands. 
I, I'm an Eagles fan through and through. That's never going to change. No one's ever going to take my Eagles fan card. So I don't care what they say <laughs> about what I say. So I, I, I have my opinions. You know, I got jerseys. I bought, I buy tickets. I've been to games. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 listen, my fandom doesn't blind me to the reality. And the reality is, Nicobe Dean, whatever he did in Georgia, this is the NFL, baby. That don't mean nothing. College gets you here. College don't keep you here. So the way I look at it, he has a lot of pressure on him. Now, this has nothing to do with his skill set. Nothing. This has nothing to do with his effort. This has nothing to do with his ability to learn. This has everything to do with we don't know what he looks like in this situation under these present circumstances. You never know who you are until you're tested. It's easy to judge somebody in a moment of peace. Try judging them in a moment of chaos and you'll find out what you really have. We're going to see what we have in the Kobe Dean very early because the Eagles have regularly been getting their linebackers torched year after year after year. That's been the number one weakness on his defense. I remember that game two seasons ago, Tom Brady came to Philly and he was cooking our linebacker core, just 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 putting them on a skillet, salt sauteing them and everything, big sales. So the way I see it, what's gonna tell what's gonna tell me a lot about Nicole Dean is not just how he is in defending the run, how is he in pass coverage? Is he limiting the damage, right? How is he with defending tight ends? I'm gonna be paying attention to all of that because I'm not gonna pull punches just because I like him. I like Nicole Dean. But if he's not delivering, I'm not I'm not going to act like I don't see what I see. So the reality is we don't know what we have in the Kobe Dean. People need to stop pretending like they know. They need to stop banking on what he did in college because that means absolutely nothing today. He played 34 snaps. Let it go. The reality is you don't know what he is. We're going to find out, though. So Do you be think patient. he's the biggest question mark of the entire team going in? Because to me, he's the quarterback of that defense. I mean, I think the most underrated player on that defense a year ago was TJ Edwards. I mean, he was the guy who did all the dirty work. He got none of the fame. He got paid in the offseason for his work because he goes to Chicago and they give him $7 million, which I don't think is a ton of dough for a guy with 160 tackles. And actually, if you think about it, here's a guy that gave you 300 tackles in two years. And you let 300 tackles walk out the door like that for a guy that's 34 snaps? Tone, I mean, it's a risk. you're asking a ton for that guy. It's a risk. It's a risk. You know, uh, before TJ Edwards got picked up by Chicago, his his average market rate was around nine, 10 million. That was that was the anticipated market rate for him. You know, average annual salary. That was that's, that's what people predicted. He ended up getting six and a half. We, the Eagles could have afforded that. They could have afforded that, but they decided not to. They were so hell bent on giving the Kobe Dean this opportunity and like, I can't remember who said it in the live chat, but, you know, you brought it up as well. I want to see why they're so convinced. Yeah. Someone brought that up and said, hey, look, man, I mean, I got I questions. But I want to know why that. the Eagles are so confident in this kid. Yeah. I, 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 I want to see it. Because, if, cause look, if, he, if he's playing well, yep. hey, you know, that, that, that's great. But if he's not, we're going to talk about it. And people, and people need to be honest about it if he's not playing well. Don't don't start talking about excuses like, well, you know, um, this person missed their assignment. Listen, he we're going to see very early and very and very obviously if he's the guy or not. It's, it's not going to take long. Absolutely. All right, Tone, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much, man. That was great stuff. As always. Yeah, right, no big dog. Thank you. I appreciate you. You got it, man. That's really cool. Do me a favor, everybody. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles all right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, that fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Big Seals National Football Show. Let me throw something here, uh, tone here. Let me see if I can see if I can read some of you guys' uh, uh, comments here in the uh, chat box. I think we're having an issue with the um, uh with the, um, let me turn this down here so I can read some of your comments because I know you guys are throwing some stuff out there. I don't I think we're having some issues tone there with the, um, um, with the chat. Trust in Dean, trust in Decide, trust in Sidney Brown. Um, let's see what my man's saying here. Yeah, it froze on my side. Okay. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll just go off the phone here. So I, I got you guys. Don't worry about it. We're all good. Um, <laughs> see here, Tone. You're, 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 you're good. You're good, Quan. Okay, you're good. Quan goes like this. T.J. Edwards was a bum. Well, you better get more tackles than that bum.
if he's a bum, that means you're saying that TJ Edwards um, and his 160 tackles, I would throw this at you then. Well, that means you're saying that Kobe's going to get 200 tackles. All right, I'm good. Dean is fast, strong, and has great field presence. How would you know that, Scott? How in the world would you know that? This is exactly what Tone and I were just talking about. Chris goes, Dean is fast, strong, and has great field presence. Where did you see that? I would like to know where you saw that. He just needs to learn what offenses want to do against us. So you're going to get an, wait a minute. So you're going to get a training wheels lesson against the New England Patriots in week one. Is that what you're saying? Right? You see these guys, Sills? All I said is we have to wait and see what he is. Not a hater. That's exactly correct. You're a realist. But then again, fanatic means craziness to me. And it it means crazy. You don't... Hey, nobody really has come out here and said this. Hey, N'Kobe can't play. I, I, I think you're I think it's got a lot to do with workload. I think it's got a lot to do with that. They don't want to be patient with this growth. I'm still waiting to wait and see. Um, again, I'm with him on this. If someone someone brings up college again one more hey, dude, college has nothing to do with this. College has nothing to do with Nicobe Dean's success. Has nothing to do with it. If that's the case, Jalen Hurts would never be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Why don't you apply that? If college had everything to do with an NFL guy's career, how is Jalen Hurts starting? Don't you see? College coaches are wrong too. Nick Saban's wrong about Jalen Hurts. He's wrong. He's been proven wrong. That's why Nick goes back and constantly tries to change history. Okay? I thought it was very interesting that Nick, that Angelo's comments on Nick Sirianni. College got him here. It will not keep him here. They need to wake up and take the Nicobe binky out of their mouths. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what this is about here. I thought it was very interesting because Angelo and I think a lot alike. I don't really look at Nick Sirianni as a superstar coach either. I, I've never. That, that's why when I put my rankings for best coaches in the NFL, he'll, he'll never be in my top 10. That's not what it is. He's just not a good head. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's a perfect fit for Philly and what they want to have done at the coaching position. He he's he's not an upgrade to Doug Peterson and he's not an upgrade to Andy Reid. But what he is the upgrade to is to what Angelo said. You know, he goes along and gets along. And that's why everything is working really well now. Doug and the general manager fought. Okay? It, it was headbutting. 
But that headbutting, get this, resulted in Super Bowls. You know what's funny? When you have that dynamic, think about this for a second. Look at the great headbutting dynamics that you had. Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson resulted in three Super Bowls. Okay? Very rarely do you have Chuck Knoll and Bill Belichick where you have that. You're the head chief in charge of pretty much everything you do. Okay? Very rarely do you have that when you have the complete say. Okay? Uh, John McVay, Bill Walsh, headbutted a lot on personnel decisions. I think you have to have a strong dude in that personnel room to be like Ozzie Newsom. You think Ozzie Newsom and Jim or John Harbaugh or even Brian Billick or any of those guys, you think those guys had bitching matches about personnel on what was right for the team? Of course they did. That's healthy. When you got one guy running the room like that, I'll tell you this too, Tone, everyone else, I'll say this to you. That could be one of the reasons why they've underachieved. Because you really don't have a dynamic in that building where you bang things off of each other. You got one way of doing shit. And if it's not the right way, get this. When you get in games like that, like you did in the Super Bowl, your flaws cost you. Think of Howie's flaws in that game. What were Howie's flaws last year? Coaching. Special teams. Defensive coordinator. Training wheels coaches all cost you in that game. Those were all the issues that we talked about today, especially with Angelo and with Tone. Those were all Howie Roseman's issues. There wasn't someone to go. We got to address special teams. You don't really think Nick's in there going, we need to improve our special team. He's not saying that. Doug would say that. Doug would be the guy to say that. Okay? So you 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 kind of leave it all on the table for one guy to make the head chief in charge, the all the decision maker. This is why, again, that I say Sirianni has no say. I'm so happy that the number one guy in the history of Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio absolutely agreed with me. Sirianni has no say on that team. He has no say. None. You know what it is, Sills? I figured it out. We got people in this chat that are satisfied with just making the playoffs. And I'll expand on that. I could care less about division banners. Like Angelo said, I'm only interested in parades. Okay? Miss me with the participation trophies. Here, I tell like I I had a conversation with the Hurricane guys three days ago on a Zoom conference, and we were talking to the defensive line, and I was talking to those guys, and um, Mario said, "Be be 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 nice." So I went like this to the kids. I think you'll like this, guys. The guy goes like, "I go, what are you guys looking to do this year?" Hey man, we want to win ten games and. We want to get to a New Year's Day bowl game. They go, do you think that's a good goal? I went, how times have changed at UM. He goes, what do you mean? I go, 
Well, I strive to win the national title and go undefeated. You guys want to make it to the Sun Bowl? And you guys want to have a good year and a good bowl game. <laughs> I mean, that's not what I that, – those weren't my goals. You guys want to make it to the Sun Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl, win 10 games, have a good year, and you sound like the Cowboys. That sounds like the Cowboys. Let me win 12 games, get to the playoffs, and, you know, we'll go from there. Not me. Shit, man. If my game's not on New Year's Day and I got more than two losses, don't bring me to the game. I have no interest in that game. I play for national titles. I don't play for Sun Bowls and Pinstripe Bowls and Blue Carpet, Frito-Lay and the Potato Chip Bowl. I don't do any of that. The Bahama Breeze Bowl. <laughs> you count big seals out of that. I play for championships, dude. That's not going to work for me. What the hell do it for if you're just going to do it? And, and, and I told them, and they started going, okay, so what would you think? I go, dude, set your goals with unrealistic expectations. Knowing full well you're not going to get there. But you might land on 11-1. and one. You might land in the Orange Bowl. Is that a bad year, being one or two or three in the country, but a shot at the national title? That's what I strive for. Mario looks goes, that's the difference between you guys today and those guys. Those guys didn't look at it like that. I don't think the Eagles are doing this. Well, let's win the East. I don't, I don't, hey, I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are doing this. Hey, you'd think if we win the East and, you know, we win 13, 14 games, what's the point? What's the point of putting up all them yards like Kirk Cousins if it leads nowhere? That's like what Tone said a couple minutes ago. If Jalen Hurts throws 3,800 yards and 22 touchdowns and five picks and 780 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, and that team is 13 wins again and you're in the NFC title game, who cares if he's a 5,000 or 4,000 yard passer? Honestly, that's shit McNabb would care about. Wentz would care about. That's why you like this guy. Don't make him into the other guys. Well, Hertz doesn't throw for four grand like Wentz. So Wentz threw for four grand. Okay. And he's out of football. Think about that. Your guy who was on the team five years ago, whatever it is, is that a football? Tonight, I'll be looking, I'll be looking to see who they keep on the offensive line. I don't know if they'll keep, let me think, five, maybe will they keep? Nine O-linemen, eight O-linemen. Is there enough? I mean, defensive lineman, Graham. Does Barnett make the team? Probably because he restructured. He makes the team. Um, linebackers will be interesting. By the way, if I were you this week, all of you, I would look around on 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and just just look around, look at linebackers and safeties that could be cut. And there could be some players that Howie scoops up, brings in, and works out and tries to give him an opportunity potentially to uh, make the ball club because I think they're still probably going to look for linebackers. They need some work on special teams still too. And I don't think they have enough talent on that team right now depth-wise to really feel a good special teams. Um, I'm going to be watching to see if they play Sidney Brown tonight because if they put Sidney Brown in, out there a little bit, um, I'm going to be interested to see that because I, I, I listen, I would start him against New England. I would start him against New England. And man, that is quite a task against Belichick's coaching staff. That it'd be the greatest lesson on the planet for him. Him and Reed Blank Reed Blankenship has had a great camp. Okay. He's 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 had a great camp. All right. Thank every one of you, man. Have a great time watching the game tonight. I want to thank Angelo and Tone for coming aboard with us today. We really appreciate it. Make sure you go back and watch both interviews. We thank you guys so much. Please hit the like button. Three to six tomorrow, and we shall see you on the flip side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.